Hello, listeners and viewers. <laughs> uh, welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast all about craft beer and video games. I'm your host this week, Adil. I'm joined, as pretty much always, by Lucy. Hello, lovely host. How are you? How are you? How are you hosting today? Uh, how am I hosting today? Um, poorly, given the late start and all of the weird technology issues. I think you've done very well. Um, I'd, I'd just be like, shut it all down. Um, yeah, it's over. Yeah. Tell Ben, no we, ben, tell ben we all quit. Um, yeah, we, we had the three-second podcast. That will do. Yeah. Uh, and of course, and special guest Adam, you're back. Yes, I'm back, and I bring technical troubles. <laughs> yeah, apparently. That's what I bring. Yeah. Um, so craft beer, video games, and technical problems. I mean, it does sound like tanked up. <laughs> to be fair, podcast, yeah. Um, yeah, we're a Ben this week because he's off on holidays, being a family man, etc., cetera, mm. etc. Cetera. Um, off in the still wall drinking. of corn. Yeah, yeah he's still drinking, still holding it down, making us proud. So yeah. Um, so, why don't we crack on some beers and join Ben in spirit? Yes. If not in spirits. Uh, but Adam, do you have anything you're drinking? Uh, just classic Pepsi. <laughs> I thought Coke yeah, was right. the classic one. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, you could, Perfect for a craft beer podcast. <laughs> I mean, you could probably have fooled us and said that it was like... Or, or, or like a, a black IPA or something. Or, or a, I wouldn't uh, lie to you guys. No. That's fair. I'm not like um, that. Lucy, did you want to start with a special beer? Yes, I do. Mm. Special beer. Because this, this weekend beer. is um, the Bristol Craft Beer Festival 2021, yes. which we were not all the, excited. Uh, Bologna Children's Book Festival. Correct. <laughs> uh, it is not the Bologna <laughs> Children's Book Festival. That, I think, was last month, if I recall correctly. Um <laughs> Oh, that wasn't even. That was after we ended with our yeah, podcast with Lauren. I was like, "Oh, check episode." No, nope, <laughs> wasn't on the podcast. Will get this. Yeah. Only Lauren and Ben will get this. Um, but yeah, and so they very kindly uh, sent us, I, us all, um, a couple of tins of the four-way collaboration festival beer. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. um, by Wiper and True. Mm-hmm. And who are the other collaborators? Uh, inspiration from Riggle. Somali yeah. spice blend recipe by Aro Wevo Eats. Is that how you? Oh, here. Why don't I just? Why don't I just do the thing That's I normally I do and yeah. re- read the read the flavor text? Because I love how they've written on the front of the can. It's very like, yeah, this is special. Um, yeah, this is straight off the canning line. Yeah, but also <laughs> it's got all the information on the back, which. I didn't realize until I turned it around. So, yeah, yeah, so this beer... So it's the Aromatic Isles Pale Ale. This beer is a four-way joint effort that celebrates the joy of sharing ideas and creating collaboratively. The New England-style pale ale is brewed with Zawash, a Somali spice blend mixed by local chef and scholar Fozia Ismail of Arawello Eats. Mm-hmm. We love the way the complex tropical fruity hop flavor is invigorated with vibrant spicing from cardamom, the shining light, and Fazia's Zawash recipe. Uh, the yeast is the Wiper and True House Yeast Blend. The hops are Citra, uh, Sabro, and the love, the well-known HBC 692. Um, and the malts are Low Color Golden Promise, Extra Pale, Carapels, Caragold, and it has barley, flaked wheat, wheat, and oats. Uh, 
Yeah. It is a 4%. 10 IBU, 4% uh, Pale Ale. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested in this. Like, what is? Am I going to pick up the cardamom? What is the cardamom going to taste like? How is that going to? And what know, else there might be on? in this Somali spice blend? Right, like it's it's mm. not just cardamom. It's just that seems to be the. Ooh. Smell that! Oh wow! You can really smell that on the aroma. It's 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 almost like a. The best way to describe it is like a faint ginger beer, but you're getting. Yeah, you're getting so much spice on that aroma just say, as I, soon I, yeah. as you crack the can. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I have no way of knowing this, but I'm guessing um, maybe some um, coriander seed as well. Uh, but that might just be. Yeah, some perhaps of... maybe. I'm getting like more lime zest, a bit of ginger mm. on the on the aroma, but. Wow, oh, like just smelling it's, it, it's just Yeah. I wish all beer smelt like this, to be honest. You know, I like, wish was... most things smelled like this. <laughs> yeah, true. Like the um Vault City brews, it was just like this is so such a pungent, like kind of aromatic. Yeah, in a very different way. Those smell, those yeah. smelt like the fruits that they were um mm. brewing with. This this smells like proper spice. Yeah. Um, a spice blend. That smells gorgeous. It smells like a. It, I, I also described the vault city as this way, just like a lovely candle. Oh yes, like a, a Yankee candle or whatever that. Yeah. Instagrammable yeah. Mm. Um, American candle company is called. Mm. I kind of naffed my pour a bit, but. It's all right. It's a, it's a good looking beer. It's sort, it's sort yeah. of got like, almost like uh, you know. Sort of ginger beery. It's probably a bit lighter than that. Um, it's very cloudy. It's uh, put a nice, mm, probably just one finger, slightly bubbly head. But yeah, I can't stop smelling it. That just smells great. Have you had a sip yet? I haven't. I'm still like reeling from. Mostly, I'm trying to figure out what's in in this. But you're right. <laughs> there's a very a limey or zesty. Mm-hmm. I do think there's some some coriander seed, Possibly. and and of course that cardamom. Yes, the cardamoms. Yeah, you can definitely tell. Um, it's very perfumey Ooh. in like the taste as well. Like oh yeah, those flavors not quite as strong on, as in the aroma, but they do carry through. But it's. It, a, yeah, a bit more subdued than you think. Um, you know, just smelling it, but. You are still getting like those sort of like lime zesty kind of flavors to it. It's very light. Yeah. I mean, it's four percent, so you know, probably not going to be the heaviest beer. But just uh, take requisite picture. Um, yeah, mm, I mean, that, that's, that's curious, but it's it's nice. It's refreshing. It's as I say, I, I can't get away from like like a kind of lime zestiness that is like it's not sour. But it's got like a kind of zing to it that's just, it's like a good palate cleanser and a good refresher. Yeah, I was going to say what, 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 it's like a very clear taste. Like the, the, the very like spicy, perfumey body is sort of cut with this crispness. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like, Absolutely. oh, it, the taste is over. But actually that's like, the, the finish is, is, is just like a, 
doesn't have that fruitiness and that tropicaliness. It just has maybe a touch tropical, but most of the spice blend is what's like lingering. So you just mm-hmm. have this like it's not in your face, but because of this that crisp liminess sort of coming in and just sort of stopping the taste, it kind of it feels much punchier than it is because at the end of the day like this is clearly a wiper and true beer it's very true like, yeah that it's nuanced you can taste a lot of things but it's not punchy you know that they they mm-hmm. we, we when every time we talk about them we talk about how they um it's nuanced beers the tastes are maybe more subtle um but you never get like an in-your-face beer and this is what this has got a lot going on but again, it's a wiper and true a lot going on. So it's more like you can discern all these things and you're, you're not getting hit by this wall of taste, right? And I think yeah. that's why that liminess is super interesting because it kind of like comes in and stops a lot of the taste. It feels like, oh, that was a hit of flavor. But it's usually that comes with like an actual hit, but this is more like a, a dip afterwards. Yeah. Well, it just reminds me of like North African cuisine where you have like the really pungent spices, but that is like leveled off with like uh, zest and liminess and stuff like that. So it's, it, it and citrus. So it's like, it, it's like a perfect blend of those. And it's, it's pretty much like nothing I've ever tasted before, which for a festival beer, for a showcase festival beer, I think that's, it's a great one to have that kind of, you know, temple status. For the festival, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, it's I was really gonna say interesting. Mm-hmm. it's it's a pale ale. It's but it's very unique. But it's like the unique parts aren't like like I said the benefit of working with someone like Wiper and True. The unique parts mm-hmm. aren't so strong that someone who wanted a pale ale who would go to a like even if this isn't your type of jam, you're still gonna be like, oh, that was a super interesting beer, and you're not gonna be like, I don't want to finish it because it's not it's swinging for the fences in a in a different sort of way, right? It's like we're making yeah. a very interesting beer that, like you said, Lucy, I've never had to taste anything like this either. Um, but it's not like... Um, it still tastes like a beer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm getting a little, more, a little more sweetness on the lingering finish, which I quite like. Yeah, I'm sort of getting like, yeah, just like maybe a little bit of orange... Like a, maybe clementine kind of taste. Like a sweet orange, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just just slightly at the end. Yeah, I think what that is is that sweetness and the citrus having faded a bit from that mm-hmm. sort of limey hit kind of coming together. This is... It's, 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 it's a trip, and it's really interesting. I mean, if you're at the festival this week, or, or do you think they're going to like... This is probably a one-off, isn't it, but... I think so, yeah. Yeah, this is... I feel very privileged to taste something this interesting. Because, yeah. you know, you have, you know, you have interesting experiments. We, you know, we see, I think we're seeing more and more like beers paired with like, you know, that kind of like cuisine and, you know, guests who are from restaurants. You know, I think in the last couple of weeks, I'm sure Ben had one recently. And mm. it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it, it's not going too far in the other direction. It still tastes like a beer and it tastes like a very good beer and it tastes like a beer that I've never actually you know, this kind of style I've never actually tasted before and it's still but it still retains that core you know, beeriness. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, really good. I'm super impressed by that. Yeah, me too. Um do you know what Riggle is? No. Because I saw Riggle. 
It's like, is that some children's play? And then I promise, uh, Adam, we won't continue to ignore you <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> yeah. big uh, uh, Sorry, I'm just glad that the weird hammering that suddenly appeared hasn't been picked up too badly so far. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, the, the entire building's been, you know, pretty much silent since I got home from work, and then we start. <laughs> so, like, the party starts when Adam's <laughs> And then back. it's like, yeah, they're like, oh, he's just started a podcast, we better just hammer everything for no reason. Yeah. Oh, Rick Riggle is a looks like a food and drink magazine thing. Oh, okay, right. Oh, uh, which yeah, so they might have brought the other two together. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. So the four-way uh, joint effort is the Bristol Craft Beer Festival, right? Wiper and True, Riggle, and Aruello Eats. Um, I'm also just based on the the nuance of that spice blend and the way it. Mm-hmm. Like now, I'm super curious um, to track down Aruello Eats. And I mean, so, they're in Bristol, I imagine. So yeah, go for it, like. Um, I mean, North African food is just great, anyway. So yeah, I mean, it's not like twisting my arm. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, th- I think that's let's... like kind of just just one last thing. I think that mm-hmm. kind of like RNG taste was it was was more like bergamot, like mm. not quite not more... too sweet, yeah, but just yeah, you know. a little more um like floral maybe. Yeah, a bit more floral, a little bit more bitter, more herbally, but yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, just great beer, yeah. That's my closing thoughts. Great beer. Excellent. Um, yeah, let's maybe if we can, uh, if we if we have any other other thoughts by the end of this one, we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thank thanks to uh, obviously Bristol Craft, Craft Beer Festival, Festival and Tom yeah. like sending it to us. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, thanks again. Hopefully, we'll see them all next year. <laughs> yeah, that would be a trip. Well, mm. for you, literally. Um, <laughs> True <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, let's move on to them old video games. Uh, and Adam, let's start with you, who have waited patiently drinking your Pepsi Classic. Um, uh, what what have you been playing? Slash, you you had a thing you were going to talk to us about. Oh, I have been playing Samurai Wars Five. Mm-hmm. Which we were very kindly given a preview code for. So I played. It came out Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. It okay. was officially released, but I played it over the weekend and a wee bit since as well. Uh, wrote up some thoughts on outoflives.net that you can check out mm-hmm. on my impressions so far, but I'm obviously not finished the game or anything yet. What uh, um, platform did you play it on? Uh, PC. Ah, yeah. yes. Steam. It's a nice Steam code. Mm. Uh, it's on. It's on everything. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I mean, it's, it's on Switch. It's on. Oh wow. Yeah, PS4 Switch. I was and, X, and yeah, and Xbox One. I don't think it's on the new gen, but I'm not 100 mm. percent on that. You probably come no. to it, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Like free upgrade or something. Uh, yeah, and it is also not on Macintosh OS. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a Steam exclusive for PC. <laughs> it's, a, it's always listed as PC bracket Steam. <laughs> Classic. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've been playing away at that, and I've 
So if if, if people weren't familiar, what what can you tell us what kind of game it is and yeah, can it, you tell me what kind of game? It is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's from Koei Tecmo. They're the publisher, and the developer is Omega Force, who are the, this is sort of their jam, as it were. This is what that team does: is make these kind of games. And their style is either Musou games or Warriors in quotes games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Musou is M U S O U. I can't remember what the translation of that was, but never mind. But a lot of people know them as the the Warriors games, which is Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors. Mm-hmm. And there's some; those are the two kind of mainline series. Uh, I've been more of a Dynasty Warriors player in the past. Okay. And the, there's some spin-offs, and there's a a long history of uh, licensed versions, which is a lot of people would maybe recognise, like Hyrule Warriors yes, as a kind yes, of recent right, one. Yeah. Uh, there's also like One Piece Warriors and Gundam something or other as well. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a few kind of versions of it kicking about. Um, so the, the the basic style of them is uh, you you play as a character in kind of arcade style stages, which are based around in in the Dynasty Wars and Samurai Wars style games. They're based around battles mm-hmm. um, mm. in particular time periods. Uh, the Dynasty Warriors ones is uh, the Three Kingdoms era of China, which is sort of around 200 AD. Or there's a kind of century around there where there's a lot of fighting happening in China. And then the Samurai Warriors ones are based on the Sengoku period in Japan, which is okay. the 1400s, I want to say. <laughs> I've completely forgotten off the top good. of it. <laughs> Your guess yeah. is better than mine. <laughs> but th- that's a time period that uh, even if you don't know very much about you'll probably recognise some of the names of people from it. Yeah. Like uh, mm. Nobunaga Oda and, and th- those kind of people. Uh, even if it's from video games, like Nobunaga's amb- Ambition and stuff like that, they're very f- kind of well-known characters in that sense, as well as historical figures. Um, yeah, so they're based around battles and the whole idea is basically you play a sort of overly powered and super stylized version of his- these historical figures and some who are a bit more fictional than others mm-hmm. with some cool moves and you basically tear up the battlefield and that's kind of the idea and then you, you progress through the games going through various stages depending mm-hmm. on how they're set out um, and Samurai Wars 5 has done some interesting things compared to what I'm used to with them but uh to be fair, they, they do experiment a lot even though the the basic principle of the game has always stayed kind of basically the same. There is a lot of very distinct differences between a lot of the, the various iterations of them. Uh, which which you can get into if you want it after. Um, uh, any questions so far? <laughs> yeah, because like, yeah. from the untrained eye, like, I know the style of like Muso games, but I like people who like Muso games like Muso games, and people who don't yeah. are just like, oh, they pass over it. But I'm guessing, I mean, you know, this this is described as a tactical action game. From a, you know, as I say, untrained eye, it just looks like you're hacking and slashing. But yeah. The same way, like a Devil yeah. May Cry, some or something like it looks like just hacking yeah. and slashing. But to be good at those games and get like an S rank is a completely different 
uh, gameplay approach and understanding the mechanics of it. So, yeah, what makes these I games mean... so engaging, and what's what's the tactics mm-hmm. of them? Without, I mean, I don't know if that's a loaded question. Or not. No, no, I mean, I don't, I, mean, I don't know about the the tactics. It's not mm. something I would have considered tactics in that sense. There's tactical elements to them, but mm. they are more. They're more kind of set dressing as opposed to being like a a full on system as such. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the hack and slash kind of element of them is kind of the point. Yeah, they they fall into the same kind of category in a weird way. Is like the, one of the reasons I like the like Dragon Ball Z fighting games a lot of the time mm. is because they don't have very long, complicated combos to learn. Mm. Mm. The, the the versions of those games I like best are the ones where your Kamehameha's and special moves and stuff like that are like R one and square. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but although they're kind of the controls are simple in that sense, the a lot of them do a very good job of building intricacy into them by you getting better at using what they put in them. So like Dragon Ball Xenoverse one and two are very good examples of that where the, the basic principles of the buttons and the combinations of that you can press are very simple to understand. Mm-hmm. But the difference between someone just mashing at the controller and someone who's timing the button presses and doing the right things at the right points and chaining all the stuff together, yeah. you can really tell the difference. And you can feel yourself getting better at it as you go through the game. Yeah. And that's sort of the same principle behind why I okay. like the the warrior styles yeah. of games. So you the the attacks you've got in Samurai Warriors Five you have normal attacks on square and I'm using PlayStation controller so it's square for normal attack power attack is triangle uh, so you can do combinations of so many presses of square and then triangle and it does an extra attack uh, it's slightly more powerful and depending on the weapons and the character you use there there's differences and things. You have your muso attack, which is when you fill up the bar. That's on um, circle, which is like your super special move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have something in this one called ultimate attacks, which is the L one and square, or is it R one okay. square? I can't yeah. remember. And you know, and the face button. So all four, you can have something on each of them, which are kind of one off moves that have a kind of cooldown on them. Uh, and the, one of the things that Samurai Wars has that Dynasty Wars doesn't is something called Hyper Attacks, which is where you use Triangle first, and they're more kind of wide-sweeping attacks that you use to kind of attack groups of the kind of smaller enemies, as opposed to the officers, who are supposed to be a bit more of a challenge. Yeah. And so you basically go around you know, combining different versions of these and learning okay. the weapons and yeah. stuff, and beating the crap out of a lot of people <laughs> essentially is, is ultimately what it comes down to. So so some of the tactics come from like uh, crowd management like who do I attack yeah. first and yeah. Yeah, but when the, the games are at their best the, so you get your regular enemies who are just they're really there just for you to knock into the sky and get mm-hmm. rid of. You'll have enemies who have certain extra abilities in Samurai Wars 5 you've got, there's your classic archers and stuff but there's also like riflemen yeah. and mm. there's some like particular enemies who have like shields and spears who you can't just use the hyper attacks on, you've got to 
you know, they defend themselves a bit more, so you've got to deal with them slightly differently. And then in addition to the regular enemies, you have what they term officers, which are either kind of generic named people who were about at the time, or the playable characters that are maybe on the other sides of the battles and stuff like that, depending on what the story is doing. Okay. Um, Who... They have much more health and much more uh, aggression and stuff like that. And depending on your difficulty level, they can be very difficult or relatively easy, depending on how they go. Um, you can kind of tune that to kind of suit yourself a wee bit better. Um, but they're, they're supposed to present more of a challenge. So the the way the, the, the stages or the battles are laid out, you know, they're because they're based on history... They have like objectives kind of layered through them as as the battles progress that help you turn it in your favor. So they'll be like, "Oh, in this battle, we're trying to capture this castle here, but before we do that, they have this base here, which will let us, you know, build something, you know, like our siege weapons, and we build that, and then we move." Or, or the enemy are trying to attack our supplies, so you have to go there and defeat the enemies before they can do that and that sort okay. of thing. So that there's tactical elements to those, because mm. um, again the idea is they kind of they shepherd you through them in such a way, but you have some options as to where you can go and what you're prioritizing depending on what you want to be doing. I do find that Samurai Wars Five in particular is quite linear with the battles in that way oh. so far, in that. Not that you can't do anything else, but your life is so much easier if you just kind of follow the path that's laid out for you to do to do them in. It doesn't give you too many options. Whereas okay. in yeah. kind of the older games, particularly some of the older Dynasty Wars ones, you could basically do whatever you wanted. <laughs> okay, so you could <laughs> and, and, go kill the commander. Yeah, you could speedrun them if you wanted. Yeah, you just okay. run straight for them and stuff like, like that. Um, don't deal with the cannon fodder or the cavalry <laughs> just go straight for the head honcho yeah is... I mean that that's a dangerous way of playing the game but you could do that <laughs> in some of the older ones definitely speed uh, running yeah. yeah but the a lot of the battles in this one have a lot more gating mm. like, you know, there'll be like oh there's an enemy base here or garrison and the gates are shut so you've got to either defeat an officer to open them or something in the kind of staging of the battle has to happen so that it'll open you know that kind of gates your progress a wee bit that it's just one of those that's just how they've kind of designed it yeah uh, and this particular one so how many hours did you say you played through it so far ish uh when i wrote the article the other day i played just under 12 and i'm just under 13 at the moment Still, um, how long are these games typically? Is that a good, you know, chunk of the game, or have you got a long way to go? Uh, I'm not sure how many. Gee, that's just part of the problem. I, I played a lot of Dynasty Wars. I know the history of that a lot better than I do the the Samurai Wars ones, and I've only kind of played like an hour or two of previous versions of Samurai Wars. This is the first one I've really played a lot of. Um, so I'm not as familiar with the history on this one. Uh, so I'm not sure how much more I have to go. I'm looking at uh, how long to beat. Average of those games is probably about 25 hours. Oh, some, 
the fifth one, which what you're playing is, they say not not too many, uh, you know, uh, people aggregated scores, you know, people. But it says twenty two and a half. Um, it's one it person. only came out. Oh, is it one person? Oh, one person on the switch. <laughs> Okay. Is that a hundred? Is that hundred percenting it though, or is that uh, just that's... getting to the end of the story? A main that... story, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. but average Cause... out of all of them, they look around twenty-five hours across the series each. So, uh, it... it's one of those again. It, it very much depends mm. on the version because they approach mm. how they do it very differently. So the the approach that they've taken for Samurai Wars 5 is much more stripped back compared to what they've been in the past. Um, this is a, a problem Dynasty Wars in particular suffered from is uh, ballooning rosters to the stage where the, you know, like the, the characters that have their own proper like uh, character model and art and storylines and special weapons and everything has gotten to kind of ridiculous degrees because <laughs> they, as the years have went by they've just continued to add more and more to it over mm-hmm. time and so for for this one they've they've stripped right back and so this they're telling two stories in this game there's mm. there's no there's no Benanga Oda uh, his story and there's a oh I'm going to butcher the pronunciation Mitsuhida Akechi Apologies to anyone I've offended <laughs> by mispronouncing <laughs> any of this. I do apologize. Um, so they're, they're they're telling you know a story from two perspectives. You start with uh, Nobunaga, and you're playing through. So it's really his story I played through. I'm on chapter five of his story just now. I haven't really started in the other one, but uh, yeah, Mitsuhida Akechi has appeared in Oda's story so far. Mm. You know, it's just that obviously there's other stuff that he'll be doing as he goes through it. It's the perspective switch. But they're only one part of the entire Sengoku period. So there's a lot of... So there's plenty of characters in this game who are ba- and they're all based around characters that they either uh, interact with or are part of their kind of forces. You know, so the, there's famous generals and some other characters that are kind of, that are either main antagonists in their storylines and things. Mm-hmm. Whereas in previous games, they've had a far broader range of characters dealing with all the other aspects of the period as opposed to just their kind of right. story. Uh, which I think is safe to say, as as is everything, has split opinion from some yeah. fans. Yeah. Because, of course, everyone has favourites. <laughs> and so they're choosing to focus on this particular kind of element and arc of that period of time. Means that they've had to cut a lot of other characters and things that means that you're not dealing with some people's favourite parts of the era and favourite mm. characters in the games that they haven't that they're used to having in the games at the moment. So, uh, do these games ever shift, like, considerably in the timeline? Like, the actual historical timeline? Are some, like, set, set like, more in the future uh, or, you know, in the past or anything? No, or they just sticking to this specific time frame? Mostly what they've done is they've told the story of, like, the entire timeline. Like, the oh, entire okay. period. right. Because it, in the same way, 
again, I'm I'm really drawing heavily on my Dynasty Warriors kind of experience mm-hmm. in this. You know the uh, the three the Three Kingdoms era is over a century long. Okay, so and they've never like say, okay, we're gonna do this other century, or we're gonna do this other time period. You know, no. Okay. No, interesting. That, again, it, it it's partly because. The, the two area, eras they've picked are two of the most famous ones and they're okay. two of the most yeah. interesting in the sense that you know the the kind of real, the status quo of the country kind of falls apart mm-hmm. and then you have all these various in Japan it's the the uh, again I'm going to butcher the pronunciation the the, the daimos uh, like the the leaders of like uh, provinces oh. or the prefectures and that who, you know, they start gathering up their armies and attacking one another because the the shogun who was supposed to be in control of everything loses influence. Yeah. And, you know, so the country just disintegrates into loads of these factions fighting amongst themselves until eventually one of them ends out coming out on top and that takes quite a long time. <laughs> you know, the, the Three Kingdoms here are yeah. similar. It's the Han Dynasty that it ruled pretty much unchallenged for 400 years, just that's, disintegrates. That's interesting, because, like, yeah. like, knowing tangentially what these games are about, like, when I think of these games, I always think back to the PlayStation 3 reveal, where it's like, it, it's become a meme now, but where he's like, very Muso-esque game, I don't, I don't know if it was by Koei Techno or whatever, but he's saying historical battles, and like, Here's this giant enemy crab, and it's like, oh, when did that yeah, happen yeah. in history? I remember, I remember yeah. that. It I never actually. That was for him. Oh god, I, I can't either. But um, I, I, I never pieced together that these games were. Yes, they are using that historical, real world context. Because yeah. when I see like a game like this, I just think it's oh yeah, it's um. Because obviously it's like, you know, over the top and it's very, you know, gamified. And it's like, of, of course it is. It's not like something, yeah. this makes no sense, but like Crusader Kings, just because it's like, it seems a bit more grounded just because it's like mostly text. That's mm, ridiculous. Yeah. It's like crazy things happen in that as well. But just yeah. the over top nature of like the, the game, it's never occurred to me that, yeah. oh but, yeah, these are they're actually drawing on real world history. And that's interesting because it's like... Mm, I could learn yeah, something I, about I mean, Edo it, period. <laughs> yeah, I mean, D- Dynasty Warriors is like the reason I'm in. I got interested in ancient Japan, mm. or, in, sorry, mm. ancient Chi- <laughs> ancient Chinese uh, mm-hmm. history, because it started from the Three Kingdoms. Because yeah. you're right, it, the, there's a sort of you know whatever age I would have been at the time, you know, t- kind of two thousand, two thousand and one, playing. Uh, like Dynasty Warriors three on the PS two, um, I would have been like eight <laughs> around Jeez. that kind of time. Yeah. Um, but, um, that there's a light bulb moment in the mm-hmm. oh, these people were real. <laughs> like what? Yeah, China's a real place. Like what are you talking? About? <laughs> you know, the even devil it's not made say. up for my game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because you know, being a kid, and the uh, and that's. And then I spent time, you know, because as you do when you're young and you don't have 
as many choices of games to play and whatever else. You spend a lot of time playing them and then you spend a lot of time reading the encyclopedia entries of all the characters that are in the game and all the battles and stuff. Mm. Yeah, and then I had no idea. Unless, you see, I learned so many new things. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here, sir. I hope other people <laughs> also appreciate it. <laughs> I would imagine um, so. Yeah, so so Dynasty Warriors kicked that off because it's based on the Three Kingdoms period, but specifically, mm-hmm. it's it's based on the romance of the Three Kingdoms, which is a novel that's written based on the the actual like historical documents from the kingdoms. Mm. Um, okay. It's you know it has a bit of unreliable uh, authorship, <laughs> some yeah. some tweaking of the narrative, shall we say, <laughs> some pro- some propagandizing in favor of certain characters and stuff. John enemy but... crabs, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite, but there's there's magical mysticism crap and yeah. you know and that sort of stuff in them, and it's in the novel that kind of really cements. I mean, it's like a 13th century novel as well. It was really, it's really old by today's standard, and it's talking about stuff that happened a thousand years before it was written. Jeez. You know, so it's. Um, you just can't yeah, comprehend, can you? Yeah, so the the typical time period of the the Three Kingdoms, is kind of one eighty to two eighty AD, roughly. Um, yeah, so it's roughly a century worth, mm-hmm. and. The romance of the Three Kingdoms is really the the novel is kind of what cements that time period as the time period to consider because it has all these the the in China are it's one it's considered one of their five classics. It's their yeah. sort of like Shakespeare esque sort of stuff for okay or their like tales of like King Arthur and the Round Table and, and yeah all. it's it has all of those so that there's episodes. And idioms and stuff that come from these novels and the characters and the events that happen in them that have been, yeah, yeah, they're exaggerated and stuff, but they're based on a lot of stuff that happened. There's some stuff that's written in the book. You go, there's no way that happened, and they're like, yep, <laughs> that's oh. lifted directly from the historical text. Wow. This over here was was a lie, but this bit was definitely real. <laughs> you know, and the, there's exaggerations as well. You know. The way the novel structured, the a lot of the battles kind of hinge on the generals fighting one on one in bouts. About is I attack you, you block, you mm. attack me, I block, and that's about. And you know they time. Sorry, what's it about? And... <laughs> I'm glad I can see your face, otherwise <laughs> the listeners aren't going to know what that meant. <laughs> yeah, so and it's based around that, and then eventually one would win. And the other would run away, and then the army would sweep in and clear the, you know the, and that's kind of what hinged the battles as opposed to the actual fighting <laughs> between the soldiers, sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. And so it tells all these stories, and that's kind of what cements that in kind of the popular culture in China, and why uh, Koi originally, now Koi Tecmo and Omega Force picked. The Three Kingdoms era as the era yeah. to do that because it already has these larger than life characters and stories that they've then added their own layer of stuff on top of yeah. with their own gameplay design and all that. And so through the so through the years, you've got the historical basis, the mm. romance of the Three Kingdoms kind of layer of creativity on it, and then the iterations of the games have added 
elements to things. So certain mm. characters have certain looks that are based on that, that don't look right <laughs> if they change them because that's not how they looked in previous games. Right. And there's some that are based on historical descriptions of them and no, that character has to have this kind of weapon because it's literally in the book, you know, and and those kind of things. It's, that's you know, super this, interesting. The, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just never 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 looking at one of those games <laughs> I thought, Oh, this is drawing on like real world history and it's yeah. like it's just fascinating, isn't it? It's like we look at I don't know, like Ubisoft games like I think like after the Notre Dawn got burnt down and it's like, Oh, we can rebuild this with what was in the game because they're using like literal photogrammetry and reference mm. and stuff like that and it's like yeah. This is different in that sense, but it's just it's it's interesting to know that they're, they're probably like massive nerds, of like you know the history yeah. and stuff like that. It's like how it can be told in a new context and bring people like you and draw people like you in and make yeah. you interested in that stuff. Like I don't know. I mean, some games do that, but like not all of them. <laughs> yeah, you know? most of them don't. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it depends because you're right. Like you don't really have to engage with it in that mm. level. But because it, you know these games are essentially history, the anime that you play, <laughs> yes. um, you can't help but be kind of drawn in sometimes by some of the characters. Mm-hmm. So you'll just kind of latch on over no apparent reason, just because of the how they present them in the yeah. game. Is like, oh, that character's a bit feisty or a bit funny. I quite like them. And then you remember their name, and then you you see it pop up somewhere, and you think. Mm. I recognize that name and then you google them and you go oh that's the and they're in this game and then you know sometimes that's enough to hook and get you in yeah absolutely um, yeah and i'm hoping i'll do a bit more of that with the sengoku period of japan on yeah, off the back yeah. of playing mm. through, not the gateway yeah yeah because as i said I haven't played a lot of the Samurai Warriors games in the past. It's mostly been kind of Dynasty Warriors side of it mm-hmm. that I've played. So I'm much more familiar with that. And I did seek <laughs> out like a, a Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast that went through the book. <laughs> so um, when we see you on Mastermind, we're, we're going like, to we know what his topic is. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that much of an expert. But it's one of those, like, the, like again these games have helped create a market where mm. some uh, it's a Chinese American guy called uh, uh, John Ju um, that's Z-H-U the, Jap- uh, the Chinese spelling <laughs> and pronunciation um, who th- there's a market there for someone like him who's read the original text mm-hmm. and the English translations of the text and is able to kind of meld the two and then yeah. You know, translate it properly into that each episode of that podcast is about half an hour to 20 minutes long and he breaks it up in a really interesting way and he explains some of the references that crop up okay. so that you go, oh these characters keep mentioning this thing, the reason they keep doing that is because blah 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 or the reason this character did this and it was a big deal even though to you it sounds daft is because yeah. this is what they believed at the time, like there's 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 Absolutely. elements of storyline that that hinge really heavily on uh, people like cutting their hair as part of 
uh, like shows of their will sort of thing or that they're mm. that they're being serious about something and you know that sounds a bit crazy to a western audience who doesn't have any connection to that but in in japan um I keep doing that in china at the time <laughs> it was considered your your entire body was considered a gift from your parents that was okay. their belief yeah. at the time so you didn't cut your hair you know, they just right. had hairstyles where they wrapped it up in that. So, for you to go and actually do that, you know, which is technically yeah. an insult to your parents as far as the culture is concerned, to prove that no, no, you're serious about yeah. this or yeah, 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 yeah. whatever the thing is. That's why it's important. And he takes the time to, you know, you know, a wee aside here and yeah. explains those kind of references and various things. And he also cuts out some of the faff that. Mm. You know, is, there's lots of names and people that are because it's it's mostly historical the novel with that like extra five to ten percent of artistic flourish. Right. So there's a lot of characters and stuff that get named to turn up for like five pages and then disappear. <laughs> mm. Um. And so it doesn't always tell you those people's names because they don't turn up. They just tell, you know you don't need to remember it. Right. You know, he's able to kind of parse that this is the information you actually need and this is overwhelming information that you don't really need that we can get by with. I mean, that seems reasonable. That's a good balance. Yeah, name general number one sends out red shirt number two to attack the general who's killed everyone else up to this point so far. Guess what happens? (laughs) Red shirt gets killed. You know, it's those kind of references and stuff that helps. Because... He's been introduced and there's like a page of his backstory and stuff for him to get chopped down. <laughs> right. know, like two seconds later, you go, you don't really need that for every character, but you do for some who are more important. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Anyway, that's a big long tangent to get to. Yeah, I learned a lot about the time for years based off of playing the games uh, and then learning where the games do some of their own thing. And, you know, because they're games, they're not strictly historical in that sense. It is very much a, it's historically based. The characters and a lot of the events and the battles are all historical, but... Creative license. Yeah, but there is that element of, well, the attacks are very flashy and showy, and um, there's room for other stuff to go on as well that isn't necessarily strictly true, but is interesting or fun. Um, so they are, as you said, they are interesting that you can engage with them on that level or you can mm-hmm. ignore it and just have fun beating the crap out of people on the battlefield. <laughs> right. And with very nice stylish attacks and stuff, which are very good. Yeah. Whole new world to these Muso games that I... I mean, has, I mean, never understood, <laughs> never appreciated, never, never looked into it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're right. They do kind of fall into a weird niche in that way that a lot of people just, which is fair. Enough, some people just don't vibe with them at all, and a lot of people just kind of dismiss them out of hand a lot of the time. Don't yeah. really give them a fair shake just because they're. I mean, they're they're, they're not. They seem nice, and they think, yeah, uh, or, uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's out of education for the. I guess those people see it and they've tried one before. They know what it is like. Whereas yeah. me, I'm just like totally uneducated about them. So yeah, because they, they do get wrapped up a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. and because they're long running series now, they do get wrapped up a little bit. And 
kind of cir- circular arguments about mm-hmm. between fans about what is preferable mm. because they've been through so many iterations and um, like one of the things that I mentioned in my impressions that I wrote up about this one in particular is that it feels like it's they've they prioritised speed in how the mm-hmm. combat works in a way that I'm not as used to. Um, most of the Dynasty Wars games have a bit of a slower pace than this. Mm. And, and I feel that that comes across in like, every element of the game, including how it presents the story and things like that. It feels like it's very much going, yeah, yeah here's some context, now let's just get on with it. <laughs> and it feels like it, it rushes you through the battles a little bit, but that's... I don't know how much of that is just me and how much of that is the game. You know, you can sometimes feel games, they, they maybe shepherd you towards something or they, you feel like it keeps pushing you to go quicker. Mm. Um, yeah. You get that impression from it and that's kind of, that creates some tension from, kind of, because I come from, like, the, the Dice the Wars. Three days and going forward, there's, you know, my expectation of the game is a bit different to maybe what someone new coming into it would be that maybe will find that this is perfectly fine for them. Right. Um, because I'm used to it being that wee bit slower and feeling like you know, like spending the time to clear the battlefield of the small enemies felt worthwhile in previous games. Sort of that you wouldn't just leave them behind and keep running off to the next objective. Whereas in Samurai Wars 5, it feels like it's constant. If you play it that way, you end up feeling like you're falling really far behind and not progressing properly. Okay. Like, to the, so to the speed that... To yeah, to the speed that the game's kind of trying to get you going at. And that, that's just one of those things that I'll probably adjust to fully mm. eventually and not really think about. Yeah. Or like I'll a... get... Uh, yeah, or I'll get to the end and it'll still be one of the things that I go this just isn't the speed that I'd like to play it at but mm. it, it's it's not broken or anything it's just, just not my preference not and, yeah and that's and that's fine as well you know, mm-hmm. there's, there, there's plenty of room in these games for them to be different <laughs> yeah, and so for it's... them to play with the, the, the styling of it as they go through the iterations it sounds like uh, how people talk about Forza Horizon versus Forza Motorsport. <laughs> like, one's more fast and arcadey, and the other one's much more yeah. considered and everything. Like, preaching to do two different crowds, but seemingly making them happy. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, because there tends to be. Because it's. It, Omega Force develops all of these kind of games, mm. or pretty much all of them anyway. Definitely all of the, the Dynasty Wars and Samurai Wars games, so there's always learning that goes through between each of them mm. that comes on. So like Dynasty Warriors 9, which is the most recent Dynasty Wars game, is the one that... Okay. That's the one that was open world and, and all that, and that's one that I played a couple of hours of and had to stop. Like, that was incredibly disappointing for me personally even though some people liked um that, that there was a couple of reasons for that that it's not entirely down to the open world of it it's that's one of those that's a good idea 
not entirely implemented the way that would probably have worked best. I had trouble with how that game looked, like the graphics and that actually gave me a headache mm. because there wasn't enough contrast between things and things like that. Yeah. And I know that, you know, since I played it, that was when it launched, however long ago that was. There was a lot of updates and stuff like that, and it's improved, obviously, since then. But I've never went back to it because it's just not been... Um, cause, because it put me off that, that mm-hmm. memory the first yeah. time. And then for Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires, which is coming out either later this year or early next year, is like one of the spin-offs they're doing of it and they're scaling back how the open world stuff is used okay. and going back to having the individual battles but using that side of it for other stuff. Yeah. So I'm guessing play. you weren't the only one with complaints if they're kind of like retroactively spinning it off. Um, no, I'm definitely not. Um, mm. But it, it, it's one of those that I appreciate the fact that they tried it because mm-hmm. it was, they went for something different. They're not ju- for all their oh, it's just a warriors game. It's they do iterate. There is a lot of variation in them, and trying to keep everybody happy is not going to get them very far. And I'm wondering if their their approach to Samurai Wars Five with having that more scaled back, mm. more focused kind of storyline and stuff and characters that they're focusing on is something that they'll. If it goes, I don't know what the reception to it's been like, so I'm wondering if they'll take that forward and do something similar in Dynasty Wars. So instead of trying to cover the entire time period, maybe they'll say, right, we're just going to focus on one of the three kingdoms and tell that story. Or maybe they'll focus on, like, the early period up to kind of the mid-period where things kind of shook out into that three kingdoms block. Before and then do something in a later game that goes from the mid period into the end, where it kind of consolidates again. Hmm. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if they're going to take that side of it forward because the we'll just keep adding a new character or two every time isn't going to work forever because <laughs> it creates so many problems. Like people always complain about uh, is the clone weapons, which is characters who have weapons that have essentially the same move sets right with, with yeah just like standard a, of these a, types of games yeah yeah that, that's a feature of all of the games really going back but it goes there, there was a period where they had a really good balance between there was a good range of weapons and the ones that did have that there weren't very many of even though there was plenty of characters in it and then as the rosters continue to get bigger they're having to do that more and more, and then they're changing, um, they're changing which weapons characters have and and stuff. And the mm. as, as well as, and then they've gotten a little bit bogged down, I think, and feeling the need to have uh, more and more weapons for you to unlock. So there's right. more weapons of the same type that you find or pick up or get rewarded with as you progress and play the game. As opposed to having fewer of each kind, but diversifying each, you know, one for each character sort of thing. Um, but this is 
I think they get complaints no matter what they do on that front yeah. anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, it seems like one of those fan bases where like most people who have played this have played the entire series. Yeah, and, and it's like, this is. Yeah, I think this is a problem like all long running series run into mm. is your first game that you play and fall in love with in a series kind of dictates your expectations of the series a little mm. bit. Because it formulates for you what the games should be. And you come up with your own idea of how they should play or what they should focus on or what features should be in them or what characters there should be and what the characters should have as weapons and so on. And any time that they move away from that or change something or add something different gets attacked. Right. Yeah. Because and conversely, it, if they don't change anything, people will be like, this is the same yeah. game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's rocking a hard place, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that, that is one of the problems, because a lot of the things that they've done to change it, some of them have worked, some of them haven't. It, it really depends. Like, I, I, Up until Dynasty Warriors 9, the most different one before that was six and they changed entirely the the way the combat system worked mm. and that didn't go down very well <laughs> um, <laughs> so for seven they reverted back and um, if you do <laughs> yeah and it's one of those i didn't mind it too much but mm-hmm. i definitely prefer the normal way of doing it um it's been difficult for me to explain exactly how they changed it because um, it's been so long since I played it properly but basically <laughs> the idea as well. yeah well, like in preview particularly um, like Dynasty Wars 3, 4 and 5 you had a kind of upper limit so like once you got like the best weapon that a character could have you had a maximum of like 4 square attacks that you could do right and then the triangle attacks on top of that went up to five. So you had up to five squares and triangle, or you had a six square instead of using triangle, and that was kind of your upper limit. And the way that they changed Dynasty Warriors 6 was there was a kind of bar that as you attacked enemies kept climbing. And okay. so as you were running through, the higher the bar got, the more attacks in the chain you could do. Right. And the way to keep it high was to keep attacking people, and if you took damage, it went down. So you were in this constant kind of battle to keep it the right way, as opposed to it being like weapon based or whatever. Like a multiplier, having... yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And it had score multipliers attached to it or whatever and, mm-hmm. st- and stuff, if I remember rightly. And that was a completely different way of doing the combat. Um, I don't think that particularly worked very well, but that's mm. partly because I come from preferring having that limited number of moves I can use, and it being about me using them well. Yeah. To combine them into big long chains of attacks and just beating the utter crap out of enemies, as opposed to the game making it easier for me to do that mm-hmm. sort right. of thing. Do you think that was to bring on newcomers or make it less punishing or just? I think it was just they, they just they had to, they wanted something to change <laughs> to try something right. different. I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure. Um, and I'm then, wondering uh, how that Hyrule Warriors game did because I'm sure it probably sold a lot just because it's on the Switch, and I imagine 
that might bring more people into the fold looking for that, yeah, that kind I of think game. That's definitely one of the reasons why they were doing the licensed games, is for that. Yeah. Looking for that. Well, if you want more of these, we make lots of them. <laughs> we made 20,000 of them yeah. already. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure... I know it's definitely sold quite well, the Hyrule Warriors. Like, mm, it's well over a yeah, million maybe. anyway. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I think it, maybe it was two million or something. Yeah. Like but it also came out yeah. with the sequel, which did well, right? Age of Calamity? Yeah. yeah. Um, again, oh, not, yes, I think that was the one I was, I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. there's, there's many of them. Um, I was thinking, thinking of the Zelda one that came out, was it last year? Yeah, yeah that was the sequel. The, the, yeah, there is two. Okay, that was a sequel to Hyrule. Okay. Hyrule Warriors came out in 2014 on the Wii U and the DS, Mm. and then was released on the Switch later. I meant the Age of Calamity one. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies. Yeah. But it's one of those, they must have done quite well to have gotten the sequel that's then sold Mm. pretty well as well. Yeah. And there's an audience. Yeah. And Age of Calamity as well, I'm sure, is. It's quote unquote canon in the story. I'm not mm-hmm. for oh, Breath yeah, of the Wild or whatever. Yeah. I think that's uh, why a lot of people I, played it, you know. So. That is very much probably deliberate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These Zelda people will have to play it now. <laughs> yeah. Because the Zelda yeah. story makes so yeah. much sense and it's so what? riveting. Yeah. Yeah. What what's that? It's canon. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Download it to my Switch, hurry up. <laughs> Um, Zelda fans. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, I mean, I've not, I've <laughs> not played was? anywhere near enough of any Zelda, so I can't comment. Yeah, I, I've played. <laughs> I, I've started playing a few more of them, and there is no story. So I don't know what people are talking about. Yeah. yeah, no idea what they're talking about. Um, um, yeah, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> that that is Muso Games. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. like, if you have any more questions, you can ask. Um, I I I'm still fascinated by the fact that there's a real world history. Uh, so, yeah, no more I, questions from me. I I have one question for you, as as our resident Muso uh, game uh, fan <laughs> and expert. Um, where what time period would you like? A game to be set in of this type. That's a good question. Oh, that is an excellent question. I have Scotland. No fucking idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Scottish history. uh, Then battering the English. I'd buy buy that. I'd buy that. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't complain about that. That's for sure. Um, It's strange because there's. It's hard to think of any other time periods that have as many uh, like kind of larger than life characters in that same mm-hmm. way that like like mo- all of the people you think of like in particular like European medieval history most of them never met one another <laughs> because they were happening kind of over so many yeah. centuries as opposed to the, the beauty of the three kingdoms and the, the Sengoku era is it all happens pretty much at once. <laughs> right. Because the shit hits the fan everywhere and there's yeah. interesting stories all the way through sort of thing. It, it doesn't really matter kind of which part of it you pick to focus on. There are interesting characters and interesting through lines that cross over. Yeah. Them. 
I mean, I guess I see it the other way, which is we don't. There are definitely interesting people in all kinds of time periods that we might not have yeah. learned about. So, like, yeah, well, that, you just need conflict, just right? And then we yeah. can yeah. learn about <laughs> like things that aren't in the pop culture. Yet. Yeah. Or, or we could yeah. do what you said before, which was um, when you equated it with kind of like Knights of the Round. Yeah, I mean, something like that would probably do. Um, one yeah, thing that, that one element of conflict that you could probably draw quite a, a few different things from is something like the Crusades. That mm. Different eras. You're right, there is definitely... It's, it's not that there's a lack of people with that, it's that I don't know what, <laughs> which one... Again, because like, oh, yeah. like, oh, which ones Rome. have been documented, but like but, sufficiently yeah. to, yeah, yeah, like, because like, when you think of like Roman and Ottoman empires, they just mm. pretty much swept. Like, is there anyone left to tell those stories? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. And then, like the the Romans and stuff are a good example again of a lot of the interesting characters that maybe would have fought don't meet <laughs> mm. because it's spread over however long. Um, or, or we simply don't know about them because we don't have the, you know, the kind of histories written down for them in the same way. Mm. And what we really lack is we lack the 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 person in the thirteen hundreds who wrote the romance <laughs> version of events yeah. that really helps. Um, um, so the answer I do is I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Uh, we'll stick with China and Japan yeah, for now. They, they, they've, they've struck gold with China and Japan, so um, yeah. keep mining that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair. Yeah. No, I understand why you like Ghost of Tsushima so much. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's contextualised. I mean, that's just a very interesting game. That mm. Ghost of Tsushima actually takes place not long before all of that stuff kicks off as well. Mm. Um that's that's one of the interesting things I learned when I was checking the dates on stuff and going, oh wait, <laughs> that's actually quite... we're over there on that yeah. little island and yeah, yeah. all this stuff. And then giant <laughs> enemy crabs are on the island. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Well, that's exactly it. They they wipe out the Mongol ships and then they turn around <laughs> and whack the shogun, <laughs> and then it's just all hell breaks loose from there. <laughs> Muso games. Muso games. I've heard um, so much today. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> How are you doing oh, for beers there, Lucy? <laughs> I'm ready for the next one. Finished. Excellent. That one. What, what is your next one? Uh, well, actually, did you have, did you, I didn't really have anything, I think, to add, I think. No, yeah. I enjoyed it all the way through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Very nice. I'm glad I have a second one in the fridge. Because uh, I'll have to share that with someone because it's so interesting. But, um, yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah, uh, or you could just be greedy. <laughs> when I say share, I mean you're getting like less than half. I set one, <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> See how that is, and you'll never taste it ever again. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was great. Can I have another? You're like, no. <laughs> Sorry, that's it. And and they're literally special edition, so I can't do anything there. Now, so. Um, Daya. Is my second beer, and this Ooh. is called Routine Bites Hard, and it's a tipper. I'm hoping it's not the one Ben had a couple of weeks ago or whatever, but um, this is ten percent. 
Routine bite hard. Um, flavor text. Uh, it just says this is a delicious, juicy triple IPA brewed in our house style. So short and sweet, I guess. Um, can't see any hops or malts or anything like that. Yeah, that's it, really. Fair enough. Ten percent tip off from there. Nice. I've got another um, check. Uh, beer. This one is a um, modern West Coast IPA from Motive. It's called Mechanics of Illusion. It's got a nice Ooh. little optical illusion and uh, wrench. Uh, Looks like a blueprint. Sorry, I said Czech. I meant Croatian. Oops. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I was thinking Czech earlier. Oh, probably because there's a word Czech. Didn't you have a Czech, Czech bottom of the can. Okay. Uh, so it's. It's pale ale with dextrin, Munich, Osaka, Citrus, Columbus, and Antanum, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, yeah. So it's just a nice little 5.5% um, um, West Coast IPA. Yeah. Adam, still drinking that Pepsi over there? Yep. It's as typically normal as you can get. <laughs> no, nothing interesting to report. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with a drink that doesn't change week to week. It's consistent. You like yeah. having a beer as well. So. well that's true. You Ooh. do You do appreciate having those old reliables that you just know are going to happen. <laughs> You're going to open and drink and it's going to taste exactly like you expect it to. <laughs> hey, sometimes um, you need consistency. Looks like quite a frothy pour. Yeah, probably not my best. But, um, yeah, really nice head, though. Like, even though it's a bad pour, it's got a really nice, foamy, creamy, like, head. It's almost... Looks a little It's a lighter. little bit cloudy. Yeah, it's uh, probably darkish straw colour. Smells just like tropical paradise. Like, you, you can smell the the sweetness from probably the alcohol and the strength on it, and it gives it that nice mango-y, mm. you know, citrus. Just great smell to it. Right, here's yeah, a definitely question a, for... lot, a lot of mango, like bright mango. Like, really good. Here's a question for idiots like me who don't understand anything about beer. What mm. difference does the head make? Well, sometimes it just looks nice. Sometimes, uh, I mean, like like if you picture like a Guinness, <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know that soft, creamy head. Like like on the continent, they demand like you know half their beer is head. Like over here, less so. We're like, oh, just you know, wipe all the head off the top. I I I think it brings more to the beer when there's like head and it's like. Yeah, I mean, so much of taste is built on smell, and the head is literally. The carbonation coming out of the beer, so it's bringing a lot of the smell out. Right. Um, yeah. So, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but like, like uh, there's also the texture. So, like on a Guinness, mm -hmm. the head doesn't disappear really. So every sip, you get a bit of the creamy yeah. head, as, and then the, the less thick um, liquid each time you sip. Yeah. For something like this, where like, like, like for example, my beer, I just poured it poorly, so you can see the head poured to there and is now sort of dropped down so i've just sort of gotten rid of some bubbles by accident um but yeah. it's it's now pretty stable here and so it's the same idea it's so 
Mm. Some, I mean, a lot of a lot of beers sort of pour with like a finger of head or something. But when you get a lot, a big thick head, it's either because you poured it poorly, in which case you're going to have less carbonation in the liquid, but you're going to get a lot more of the taste off the top. So, like especially if you're tasting a beer, I, I think pouring with a bit of extra head isn't a bad thing because you're getting, yeah. like I said, it's 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 bringing those scents out. Yeah, and sometimes it's like when you see a head with like massive bubbles, it's usually like mm, I'm probably drinking a lower quality beer right now. Whereas yeah. like this tiny bubbles like very, it's like ocean foam almost, and it's like I can probably tell that this is quite a, you know decent quality beer. But yeah, just you know, just tasting it, 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 all those tropical fruits just follow through completely. Nice. Um, Getting a bit of that sweetness, a bit of that slight, not burn, but like that heat from the alcohol, so you can tell it's a stronger beer. I think that was just, yeah, with the sweetness, you can definitely tell there's like a bit of a punch behind it, but it's, mm. it's still, it's not, it's not overly sweet. It's, it's tapered well with that, you know, with the fruitiness. Um, is there any bitterness? Um, Slightly, not too much. I mean, for most day of beers, you're not getting a lot of bitterness anyway. That they are having, they are, you know, packing a lot of fruit in it, and they are fruit bombs, <laughs> so to speak. But this is just, this is really good. Like, I don't really, I do see them more nowadays, like day of beers with, you know, stronger percentages and stuff like that. Like. I think on their website when I bought this last batch, they had like two triple IPAs. In fact, I got to see if this is a, because I'm sure one was like a collaboration with like Verdant or something. So I don't know if this one is, or if it's just them. Mm. Ooh, this might just be them. Um, nobody else. But yeah, there was like a, I think there was one with like Verdant where they. Well, that, was, that might have been another triple IPA, but I can't remember. But th this is good. This is really good. I mean, you can definitely taste the alcohol. So it's not like you're just going to be smashing these back at a ridiculous pace. But this is a good end of the night where it's like, okay, this would probably be my last one. Mm. Have something with a bit more flavour, a bit more punch, something to last. Yeah, it's good. Stale. Did anyone expect anything less? Not really, no. <laughs> Have um, you had your blueprint beer? Yeah. Uh, the mecha mechanics of illusion. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot more soft on the nose than you describe than your beer sounds. It's um, it's still got mm -hmm. a bit of sweetness, a bit of like tropical, maybe a touch of. Citrus, kind of like you were saying earlier, like a clementine-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like an almost... The tropical is like a really weak, non-acidic pineapple. Like the more the sweeter side of a pineapple. Um, oh, that's nice and smooth. Mm. Um, yeah, so you can see the head's dropped even more so since last time. It's... um. It's just got enough bubbles for it to feel the mouth feel is a bit thicker because of the effervescence, making it mm. feel like a more boisterous beer than I think it is. Um, 
Yeah, again, it's got this like creaminess to it with that light citrus, slightly tropical. Um, and then it, it gives way to, uh, there's the sweetness almost fades a bit aspartame Okay. But not in a strong way, just, I don't know where that's coming from. And then it's just, mm. it's got a lovely, like, just hoppy uh, bitterness, not piney, really. Not not really touching the citrus, it's not got, like, a grapefruity. It's just kind of a light, bitter, I'm trying to figure out what that bitterness is. It's it's not one yeah. of our usual suspects. I mean, it's a really was light. A hmm? suspect hop in it, wasn't it? Well, not suspect, but one we've never heard of. What was oh. That Oh, the antonym. Yeah. Antonym. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Antonym hop. Uh, it's A-T-A-H-T-A-N-U-M. Mm. I must know now as well. Yeah. See, it's, a, it's similar to okay. Cascade or Amarillo, apparently. Okay. So yeah, it's well that would be a bit more citrusy. Yeah, so citrus and floral so. with the addition of some piney earth notes. Ah, yeah. So I, I would say not piney, but yeah, kind of an earthy bitterness. Okay, yeah. That's why I was struggling with, but yeah, as soon as I read the word mm-hmm. earthy, I was like, ah, yes. Mmm, it's really smooth. Um, I really like this. It's um, yeah. Now they've got a little more used to that. Um, to to the. The beer, I'm getting a lot, a little more of that citra and sweetness, um, sort of clementiney, tangeriney, but again, like way in the back corner. So you're just getting this hint of a sweet citrus. Um, and I like the fact that that the citrusy taste is going with the sweetness and is not really going with the bitterness. So we're not getting that mm-hmm. sort of more standard grapefruit flavor that sometimes you find in everything because they're so close. But when yeah. you get sort of generic bitter and you get citrus taste you're like ah oh, yes grapefruit this is this is not evoking a grapefruit but it yeah. is citrusy and bitter um yeah this is really smooth i really like this um i'm gonna just nice. sounds all right yeah i'm just gonna let that sit maybe maybe i'll have mm. other thoughts by the end but i think it's just a nice smooth like i said slightly creamy in the texture which for a 5.5 percent mm-hmm. um West Coast IPAs is no no easy feat. You know, you've almost tricked me into thinking I would like some of these. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you described them, you describe enjoying them so much, and then I'm just like, no. <laughs> we, we, uh, we there's definitely a beer out there for you. Like yeah. you should, you should try those Vault City ones because they don't even taste like beer. They taste taste like amazing fruit, amazing. Yeah, in Scotland as well, and they're in yeah. Tesco now, so pretty yeah. cheap. You need to. Send me a picture of the labels and look for it then. <laughs> for sure. We can do that. Yes. <laughs> as 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 if I don't remember what the episode number is, but when we had um Vault City on, yes. uh he oh, spoke about good. how um some people came to beers via Vault City. Like the usual path to to sours is like like Ponce is like us, where we go through all the steps of beers and then finally make our peace with sours, which is kind of what we all, like, that's like Ben, Lucy, and I, we all didn't really like sours in that big summer of sours, and by the end of it, we're like, oh, these are pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and it was like, oh, but like our sours are very unique because the way we make them, like there's a lot of people who really like 
or sours and then tra- started um May, like trying other beers, beers and... but then there was people who were just like, nah, these don't taste like beers. That's why I like these ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we'll give you a heads up. Um, but let's, Maybe let's, one day. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, have a, I have a firm commitment to the fact that there's a beer out there for everyone uh, in the sense that there's just so much variety that it can match almost any taste. Yeah. And... Yeah. Except maybe people who don't drink for religious reasons or yeah. aller- even allergies. I think like there's there's like alcohol-free oh, beers out there. Yeah, but the but the taste spectrum is obviously much more limited because mm. of supply. But yeah, anyway, but, that's that's yeah. now distracting from the point. Um, <laughs> which is we'll get you there, Eddie. We'll yeah, you there. Uh, Lucy, mm. let's let's pivot to you. What's um, this week in gaming been like for you? Um, have I played anything? Oh, I finished Death's Door, which I think I want to table till next week till Ben gets back. Mm. Um, he because played he, it as well. Yeah, he he, he reviewed it for the site. Yeah, as well. yeah, of course. He, yeah, he, he he really enjoyed it, and I, I I think it's good. I have some complaints about it, um, but. I think it's good overall. There's some frustrating things about it. So yeah, I might table that for next week. If, if he wants to talk about it. Um, mm. It'll also be then, just... my <laughs> last week before I go to the Canada's. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you've played anything this week. Because I can absolutely you know, yield my time. Because I've not... I, I played one game. Why don't you tell us about that one game? We need to do a couple short ones because I played one game as well. Yeah, I played uh, the last. Is it called the last? I think it's just called Last Stop. Which um, on what platform? uh, Xbox. It's on Game Pass. Mm. Um, It's the game by. Did any of you play Virginia? Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's kind of like a. It's a first-person... Thriller narrative? Yeah, I guess you called it a thriller. Narrative thriller, yeah, that's a, probably a good way to describe it. It's very it's very in, interactive, like, kind of... Less mechanics than Telltale um, kind yeah. of thing. And this seems like... I mean... There was so, I remember reading, like, interviews with the developer. They're saying, oh, we might make a spiritual successor to Virginia. Um, which was about... Um, I think it was two, two female women of color in like the police department over in probably Virginia Mm. in America. Um, I think they were tracking down like a disappearance of a kid or something like that. It was a FBI agent and a missing persons case, I think. Mm -hmm. And very, very like, you know, very, purposeful, you know, framing of, like, camera shots, very, you know, the cinematography was very purposeful, very directed. It used to do, like, these jump cuts where it was like, okay, you're in the back of a police car and then all of a sudden you're uh, at this crime scene and there's no no voice acting. Um, Somewhat stilted, but they were going for that kind of thing. Whereas the last stop, uh, I think they're saying that they wanted to do like a spiritual successor to that, but they didn't in the end. They were like, we cannot be the 
oh, you know, get pigeonholed into that kind of... Right. We only make these silent, uh, artsy games. This is... The Last Stop is very much a... Not antithesis to to that, but it's it, very different in the fact that this is voice acted. This is... You know these characters. It also goes into, like, kind of supernatural alien thing, like kind of what Virginia did, but not to... Hmm. I guess even more of an extent, actually. So, um, what's the premise? The premise is... There's there's three different arching stories, and they sort of, like, cross with one another at a certain point. They don't completely interject, but there is, like... Narrative threads, which sometimes characters pop up in each other's uh, chapters and stuff like that. So, Virginia was in Cold War Virginia. Okay. Um, Is this also (laughs) a period piece? Yes, in the fact that uh, (laughs) 21st century Britain is a period piece. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's it's very very British. (laughs) It's probably the most British game i played it's very twee and it's very mm. british in its sensibilities its references it's sort of like set on like uh is it a fictional version i'm not very too versed in like london geography but it's basically on the piccadilly line like all these different oh, okay. characters oh hence last and, stop. yeah and yeah it's very british it's the most british game i've ever played and it's like uh, probably not a, you know, big, you know, Britain's got its problems, very much so, and probably not, you know, nationalist, ah, Britain, but it it's very good in the sense that it's like, yes, this is probably the most authentic British experience, kind of, um, you know, the voice acting, the references, right. it, and I think that that's what carried me through, um... It's got an interesting structure in that you have these three different storylines. Some of them are quite different in tone. Like there's one is like this ex-army veteran who's like a now like a you know a MI6 agent or something like that, and right. it's like you know dealing with you know her her family and you know her her marriage and her being unfaithful and stuff like that. And there's this other story where it's um this guy and his daughter and he switches body with his freaky friday style with this you know very fit but gormless young man from yorkshire <laughs> and mm. there's uh the last one which was probably my least favorite of that is like this group of teenagers who happen across this very mysterious alien man but um the way that they structure it is like Okay, you can pick, right from the bat, you can pick any of these three acts to start. Right. So you jump into that storyline. And they're all separated into six acts, each of these stories, with the final act culminating where all the characters meet. And it's like, oh, I can pick, um, 
this act with the Freaky Friday thing. But once mm. that act is done, it's like, oh, okay, I have to go through the other acts with these two other characters. Ah, and then after those are done, you can go in any, you can pick, oh, I want to start with the teenagers first. And then you go through that and it's like, you have to play each of the acts, but it's like, you can do them in any order. And I really like that because like some of the acts were like, I have to find out what's next. I want to jump right back into this story. Whereas the others can go on like the back burner. And right. I'll get to those later. So I really liked that kind of like structure to it. But um in terms of gameplay, it's it's very there's there's nothing to it. Like I think I've, I I saw some reviews where it's like it doesn't even matter if you press the buttons or not. So it's like that kind of semblance of control and stuff like that. It's like I I gauge that going in. Yeah. It's only like really into like the last choice and like the last chapter um, where it's like, okay, there might be... I have some autonomy over this, but it's like, really? You're just... You're just on... Rails? You're just, just, you know, enjoying the story. You just... You'd have no, like, kind of, like, influence over where these characters go. And I'm okay with that. It's like... This is very much the kind of thing where it's like, I don't want to watch a film, I don't want to watch, you know, a series of television. I, I want to feel like I'm actually doing something. I want to play a game, but it's like, it's not too taxing. Right. But it's still engaging. And this is that, so. Oh, that Do you like... expect to have, like, some kind of influence on the story? This is not that game for you. Even, like, the Telltale games are more video gamey and more choice-driven, so. Yeah, so... Uh, going on review roundup. Um, Doctor Peppermill with eight and a half hours on record said, "Usually, I like walking sims with good story, but the gameplay on this one is close to zero. Dialogue choices mm-hmm. don't make any difference. It's completely linear story that can be watched on YouTube. Characters are well developed, but the story is lame and fixed camera is annoying." It's only five to six hours. I have eight because I decided to get all achievements after the end. Buy only on sale. I, I I think that's a good thing to know going in that like yeah. like that, no, that there are choices yeah. that are that, that are window dressing because I think that's a that's a feel bad in modern gaming. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like. But I like, think if that's you know also that's how well you gel with the story as well because yeah. like I don't think people come to these kind of games for the gameplay mechanics or even choice over the story necessarily. Um, yeah. I thought I thought the stories were like somewhere like like Virginia. It was like, where is this ending up? What is going on? This this seems you know a bit atonal and not not in not in the same direction as I expected. Like most of those stories to go with the very supernatural. I mean, it starts. I'm not spoiling anything. It starts with like this gateway to another universe or something like that. So I'm mm. not really spoiling anything. You know, it's going to be yeah. like supernatural in turn eventually. And it's like this Freaky Friday things. It's like, okay, these two people switch bodies. Something yeah. weird's going on. But I really like the characters. I think the, the, the voice acting's terrific. Just like the, the personal, the small personal stories, like seeing this woman, like, you know, being more tied to her job rather than her marriage and how she deals with that and how she deals with her father who she's at odds with and how, you know, this guy and, you know, he, he's a single dad and he has, you know, his daughter who, you know, probably knows, still a kid, but probably knows, 
you know, that it's just him and her and, like, he has this heart condition and she probably knows, like, you know, well, <laughs> this could go south very quickly. It's just those, like, little human stories which, which bring the game to life and it looks good and it has that kind of, same kind of, like, cinematography and, like, direction and, you know, wide shots and panning the camera. It just makes it, you know, really engaging, so... Yeah, that sounds like good. my kind of jam. Uh, it's on. It's on Game Pass. It's the perfect Game Pass game. Is it on PC Game Pass or just? Um, uh, I don't know. You um, played it on the on on the on the, on the, the box former of box. The X, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll check it out. There's quite a, nowadays. There's more parity between the PC and Xbox um, Game Pass. So I'd imagine so. What is it called? Last it's, it's definitely on cloud. I know that. Because I started it on my phone and I was like, "Ooh, let me get this on the big screen." Because this is oh yeah, it's new. Mm. Uh, oh man, there's some fun new things going on. Like <laughs> the Ascent is, is a game I've been meaning to look at. Uh, yeah, I, I tried to start it today. I looked at the Digital Foundry review, and they were like, "This takes two minutes to load on Xbox," and I was like, "Okay, I'll download it on PC." It takes two minutes to load on my PC. So I was just <laughs> like, hmm. That was pointless. Mm. <laughs> it's optimized more, you know. So yeah, it's hard to tell when, when things get optimized in other, in other ways. Mm. Raji, an ancient epic. I've never heard of this. I game. start. I started that. It's uh, it's interesting. I started it today, literally. Um, mm. Seems okay. It's sort of like this is very sad that this is the only parallel that I can draw, but it's like that. Um, Assassin's Creed side scrolling. Oh, I fucking game. love those games. Yeah, I thought those were good. India, and, Russia, China. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never played the Russian one, but I played the Chinese and Indian one. Um, yeah, it's sort of like that because it, it, it's drawing on like you know Hindu, yeah, you know mythology and stuff like that. And it's like it's sad that <laughs> this is the only parallel that we have to draw like, with games with you know non-Western mythology. Yeah, mm, yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's. The, the the combat seems a bit slow, but it seems varied, and you know the, the platforming seems okay. But I think the whole wrapping around it, and I think the developers on this game like adopted like a hundred stray dogs or something like that, so they have my thumbs up. So oh wow, uh, yeah. And Started Hades is coming game. to Game Pass. Damn. Everything's coming to Game Pass. You're coming to Game Pass. Well, I'm already on Game Pass. <laughs> That's why they call me Project Wingman. <laughs> um, la- let's um. So yeah, that, uh, that's pretty much. I mean, you've you've kind of sold me on game um, that I've Pass. forgotten the name of. Last now. stop. Last stop. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you've sold me on that thing that I can't <laughs> yeah. remember. So. It's one of those where it's like, if you start playing it, it's like you'll binge it probably in one or two settings, because it's just so easy just to sit back and just press a few buttons, and the, and the stories, in, the characters, and the voice acting is excellent, so it's like, it's engaging enough. It's like, I could watch, is it Loki or something like that? On yeah. Whatever. Or, or and or, I could play one chapter of... The last song, because the chapter's probably like, what, 20 minutes long? Some of them quite short, so it's like... Right. Yeah. Neat. Um, oh, it's a pity that... No, and the UI is sort of like Untitled Goose Game, which is very much like English signs. 
Mm. Right. Very good. Excellent. Um, well, I'll talk briefly about the game I played. Um, yeah. And then we can mosey off for another week. Uh, I played Black Skylands, uh, which is mm. made by Hungry Couch Games and published by Tiny Build, who provided the code. Um, Hungry Couch did... Um, what did they do? Why am I lost <laughs> on what they did? Um, so I don't like how Steam, if the dev yeah, doesn't the have, dev. like, they have a link on the Steam page, and if the dev doesn't have their own page, it just goes to the publisher. Yeah. Because um, I'm like, oh, they did that game? No, that's just a tiny build game. Um, I had this looked up before, and now I can't remember. Well, so whilst you figure that out, I'm going to, I'm going to nip to the loo. Ah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> maybe this is their first game. That can't be right. I'm sure they did another thing. But I don't... Weird. Um, maybe it is their only game. Oh yeah, debut open world skypunk game. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Black Skylands is um is a pixely top down sand. Box open world um, flying ship game. It's a build your sky ship and explore the open world. Fight factions of pirates and monsters. Claim your territory by foot or by flying your flying vessel. You're the captain. The sky's the limit in the sky punk open world action adventure. Um, it came out last week. Sorry, that felt like a bit of a handbrake turn. With oh, use the sky ship. Claim your territory by foot You're like what <laughs> yeah it's a, what about my sky ship <laughs> yeah well that's actually a good sort of segues into one of the things so so like it starts with a lot of exposition um well yeah so basically there's two ways of navigating the world one is when you're on your ship and you're flying to floating islands yeah and then you can hop off your ship and go on the islands to like grab resources or liberate the island of bad people or finish a quest whether it's a sub a side quest or the main storyline yeah. um but like on the way you're gonna like there are asteroids floating around and if you shoot them with your am with your ship guns they sometimes break and give you asteroid coal which is what you need to like um smelt things in the crafting system yeah but um, but yeah, especially in the beginning of the game, it's more mostly your ship is this kind of slow, shitty ship, and like small things will attack you, and you will like you basically have attack with my left guns and attack with my right guns, and you have like pivot guns from forty five degrees a- angles forward to ninety degrees to forty five back, and you just kind of like, yeah. but your cannons have kickback, so like if you just shoot with one, you kind of half spin, so then you're kind of moving around. You have to use your pivot and like throttle a bit to keep aiming at a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that 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 makes it a bit more challenging than just click fire, click fire. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And so I think that's where the depth of the game is. I played two hours on the stream, and it's clearly the setup hours because like whole bunch of plot. Basically, you're part of a. There's a weird cloud that monsters come out of, and then your dad tried to figure out. 
when you, on your 11th birthday, came home and brought a thing to show the elders that would solve the problem of the weird monsters. Mm. And then the thing attacked people. And then seven years later, story. everyone's in disarray. And you're now the... the yeah, so basically a, a guy who was ostensibly on your side got shot in the scuffle with the monster and then re in the intervening seven years has become a pirate faction that's sort of putting pressure on your people who basically have the fathership, which your father pilots. Look, the writing isn't all great. But, like, it's this giant... It's basically your yeah. home base and, and like, the, the flash-forward after that plot exposition is, like... Someone, the, the pirates just blew up your ship and you have to now remake all the things like the armory and the factory and some gardens. Um, so you can like grow cotton and get scrap material mm. to make a armor so that you don't die e as easily. Uh, and mostly the gameplay loop in the first couple of hours is like follow the plot uh, or explore. And like on your map, there'll be islands that have like um resource nodes so it's, you know like there is somewhere on this island there is wood or stone or iron yeah and you just like go there grab the stuff and then there's a nice like gta gang style mechanic where you can the first island you go to you liberate and then they, they tell you like at some point this might get attacked and you'll have to rush back and free it up otherwise you'll lose populist supporters and you get perks for the people you support and so after the first sort of island you get you have 10 people that you have liberated as a resource and the first and you can either get a flashlight for five or for 10 you can have bonus backstab damage <laughs> uh, which all right which if if you can do it's not really a stealthy game but if you can time it right because it's just a top down so you you know the the, the mobs will have their own routes. So as long as you're not fighting like five at a time, you can kind of just pick people off from behind. Um, but if once that island gets attacked, if you don't free them, you'll lose that perk. Oh, so you lose the perk right. for okay, the. Yeah. So I lost the perk for the duration of the skirmish with the people attacking their island because I didn't have the ten supporters because they were yeah. under attack or whatever. Yeah. So that's a nice little touch. That, that um, makes a bit more sense as opposed to. Oh, good, you've liberated this 10 people. Now consume them for the bonus. <laughs> Which is sort of how it sounded at first. Why well, really, are so these pirates is... opposing this, this helpful, beautiful saviour of the world who consumes people for stat bonuses? I mean, yeah. I, it makes no sense. <laughs> but I mean, it also still doesn't make that much sense because, like, if I didn't defend the place, I would somehow not remember how to backstab. <laughs> right? But, Suddenly, um, my knife feels awful dull. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you've got a dive roll, you've got a hook shot. So the way you kind of move around and, like, hop onto boats and stuff is you've got a grappling hook, which is, like... Of course, yeah. Right shoulder. Every, 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 everyone has a grappling hook. Yeah. 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 I have... Roll. It's sometimes hard to tell what you can hook shot onto. The aim is a little... A little less tight than I would want it to be. It's still in early access, though. Is that true? Am I making that up? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It yeah. So it came out in early access. Um. Uh, so the, presumably they'll, on the they'll, ninth, they'll, they'll tighten that up and as they yeah. develop hopefully. Yeah, and yeah. I I, I read the, the the 
world building is really good, especially the fact that you're not actually on the world. You're just on these floating islands above the world. I'm curious about how the rest of the plot goes. I'm also, it seems like the scale of the game might be a lot bigger than it seems. Because, like, you open up your map and you can only zoom out so much. But just based on there, how much of the map more. I've yeah. Well, I've, how much of the map I've seen and how much plot there's been, it's either good, like, there's no way anything could get resolved, but plus they've, like, mentioned other places, so I think yeah. it'll just slowly get bigger. Also because, again, like, that, like, mechanic of you've liberated the island, now you have to come rush back to defend it? Wouldn't make sense if the map was this big, right? Then it's like, okay, I did that. Versus, oh, I'm all the way over here on the other side of the world trying to, like, Plus, also, the map doesn't have the cloud where the monsters are, which is, like, a plot point. So, um, I yeah, yeah, I'm liking it. Um, it. It's got a nice sense of humor. Like, you go to rescue your brother, and it, and you find out, like, in the, in the early times, before the time skip, and your brother, like, went to a training, an island where training was happening, and he hid in a box, and, like... Solid snaked his way through the um, <laughs> the the course before any of the like the people who were there to stop him from running it could stop him, and then but did. then he got and so he he almost broke the record, but then he got stuck in the box, so couldn't finish. And you've been looking for him, so then you have to go through the course, and it you know teaches you dodging, etc. Yeah. But it also teaches you that people because like basically you can hold up one box at a time, and your your ship has starts with a fifteen. Um, storage spaces, so you can just drop something in the hold. Um, and any island that has a warehouse in it, they're all connected, and you've basically got infinite space in the warehouse. I think it says a thousand, but some screens it says infinite, so I don't know. But I suspect you'll never get really get to a thousand things. Um, and so you underestimate. It's nice because <laughs> if you go to one of those islands that has like not a lot of like the non-violent islands, they'll probably have. A warehouse spot in it, which case you can just dump things into it and not have to ferry everything back and forth. Yeah. But you can only, and also like once, like I've just unlocked ship upgrades, so you could presumably get better weapons, better speed, and also more storage space. Because really, like part of the reason why I didn't get that far in the plot is because I, me, and so I'm like, ah, I will get. On the way, there's a island with like seven resources. I'll go get those. Oh, now I'm full halfway through this plot. I guess I'll go back to the father ship to dump the pl- things and then go back and finish the plot. Yeah. Um, Classic video gamer holder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, I don't what do know you mean you want me to use to my precious rocks? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like everything is usable really head on. You kind of already, it's very, it's very telling. Like you, once you get your tablet, it's like, oh, you don't have any armor. Then you open the armory and it's like, you need exactly these things. Yeah. Cool. It gives you, like, a lot of front-loaded recipes, and, like, even, even when you go to build a thing, it shows you, like, five buildings that are way, like, further on in the plot than you're at, right? But, um, but it tells you exactly what. So you can kind of, like, if you are a miser like me, you can kind of pre-store some stuff. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, I know in general I need, like, 15 scrap metal for the things I know about. So I'm just going to keep a track of scrap metal uh, or take the long ro- ro- road so I can be attacked by things so I can hopefully get scrap metal out of them, you know. Yeah. So the, the crafting is pretty straightforward, um, but interesting so far. It doesn't feel like it's a grind. It feels yeah. kind of like I'm gra- gathering resources and they're pretty pretty aplenty. 
Like, if I tried to scream through the plot, I wouldn't have enough. But any uh, mild meanderings will get me there. Yeah. Um, it, it's good when games actually signpost that to you a little better and go, there's other stuff to collect. You're going to want to collect it. As opposed to yeah. a lot of games where it's like, here's some broken plates. Like, you can pick them up. But why? <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'll do yeah, so, it anyway so, because I have to, but that's just yeah, me. So there's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no, like, junk items. Oh, good. Thing, perfect. Enemies yeah. either drop ammo. So what, what I like is, like, you can carry up to three guns. And, like, your starter pistol, you have infinite ammo on. So, yeah. Uh, but obviously it doesn't do a lot of damage. And, like, I just made a sniper rifle, which is much better for my play style in those type of games. Shotgun was great for like a boss battle because I couldn't get away from it anyway, so it was just doing front loaded damage. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like a rifle, an automatic rifle, and an SMG, I think, are the ones that I haven't made the last two. But like when you break pots, there'll be some ammo. When you kill guys, what's really interesting is if you kill an enemy with a melee, whether it is a hook shot or your little dagger axe thing, they will drop ammo. Might not be the ammo for the gun you're using, but they will drop ammo, which encourages a play style of okay. not just picking them off. Because yeah, uh, you, you run out of ammo if you do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, like the, the enemies are a bit bullet spongy anyway. So like you're you, like like I said, the only way to one shot someone is to backstab them. <laughs> in which case, it's a melee, and with that perk, yeah. and I assume later in the game that won't work yeah. on most enemies. But right now, it's like okay, well, they're going to drop ammo then. Right, because I've killed them. The last hit was a melee, right? And so yeah. it's a nice way of like, hey, oh, they turned around on me. I'll shoot them. But I'm also close enough to them that I can probably swipe them for the last hit or whatever. Yeah. But mostly it's like my play pattern can be try and backstab them. And if I don't, like, run and gun them. But because I have the – if I time it right, I know I will get some ammo – in this group of enemies because i'll kill at least one of them even like even if i'm when i'm shooting at them and they're shooting at me i'm never going to finish them with a melee i know that i can kind of creep up on at least one of these guys and yeah and then get some ammo it also encourages switching of the guns because i might not get the right ammo yeah and you also feel like you're always gaining out of the encounters as opposed to i've used all of my ammo and only got this lousy piece of scrap metal Oh, I mean, yeah. most of the time you get nothing from these guys. <laughs> they, they, the guys don't really grab drop resources outside of ammo. Yeah, but it's it's um it's like twin stick. Yeah, yeah. like top down twin stick. Okay. And I'm not great at that, so it took me a while to yeah. get used to that How mechanic. Are you play the ascent. Hmm. How are you gonna play the ascent? I'm not. Apparently, it's garbage. <laughs> I just said it runs for <laughs> Yeah, um, it I mean, it took more it, than ten more seconds to load of garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh... <laughs> for me, it's um, yeah. Just I haven't played one of these in a while, and it took me a while to get a bit to get used to just how twitchy the aim is. For example, yeah. So I think the aim is twitchier than your movement, and so I feel like. Mm. And like the other thing is the other type of combat you have is on the ships where you don't aim really. You can just hit a button to chunk forward or back the uh, um, uh, so guns. It's fixed angles. As yeah, you're to, fixed angles, yeah. and you're either like 45 degrees forward, maybe 30, but some angle forward or straight out, or yeah. that same angle back. 
Yeah. Um, and so it, that that aiming is about spinning your ship to kind of you you shoot a spread of like three shots, so you just kind of have to clip them. But ideally, you hit them with more than one. But again, it spins you about. So like combat on the ship is very different. And I think, from what I gather, I think the on ground stuff will matter less later. Yeah. Um, because it's going to be more like build a fancy ship, blow people out of the water. Like, for example, I didn't. I realized belatedly that like when there was a group of enemies around what's essentially a treasure chest, like on like I want to say the shore, but obviously it's not the shore. It's just the edge of a precipice because it's flo- floating in the sky. But like yeah. the the, the, the metaphorical the shore coast. of this floating <laughs> island, right? And I was like, oh, I, I just shot, and I was like, oh, I hit them with my ship guns, and like two shots of the ship guns. These guys are fucking gone. I didn't need to like hook shot on the island and fight these guys. I could just bomb them essentially. Oh, that changes everything, right? It's only when you have to go deeper into the islands that you have to care about that combat. Uh, Adol has unlocked carpet bombing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> New strategy um, pioneered by the British. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I, I so what I, I was mentioning the humor. So the box thing, just to tag back on that tangent, um, you pick up your brother who's in a box and you put him in the hold of your ship and you go away. And it turns out that's just the way you transport people in the game because I had a side <laughs> quest where I saved a blind man on a kind of rougher fight island and he's like yes. ah if you can take me to turtle town that'd be great but until then i'll just sit in this box <laughs> <laughs> and then you like grab the guy and the thing is i put the guy in my hold and then i started and i was like oh actually that's a little far away i'll actually i'll just keep doing the main plot for a while so there's just this blind man in a box in my ship for god knows how many hours <laughs> great <laughs> Yeah, I, but like I enjoy that. Yeah, like, no that's a great way to do so some some easy mechanics for like escort quests without the baggage of escort quests. Yeah, but yeah. also, um, good humor about it. It's like, oh well, we'll just treat this as an item. But then, yeah. So I, I like the humor. I like the writing a lot. Um, the graphics are cool. The sound is really good. I'm I'm mostly curious because like. The blurb makes it sound like the whole point is, like, the sky is the limit in the Skypunk open-world action-adventure. So I, I think the point is, like, make a new ship. Go explore, and maybe maybe the plot will be less linear moving oh. forward, which I, I hope. Because, like, I hope they haven't fallen to the trap of, like, especially early Assassin's Creed's, but in general, the, like... Here's an open world, but also here is the path, the linear path that you need to take to get through the yeah. game. Look at this beautiful open world. You can't see the invisible walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until you slam into them, which is... Yeah, that's exactly what I did in Assassin's Creed 1. <laughs> Where? Doof! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I really like it so far. In fact, uh, for the first time, I think, since I started... Uh, I mean, um, first looks on Tuesdays. I, I mean, I was having internet issues, but also realized that like the last few fights I was having, I wasn't an online. Hey, thanks for no history here. Gaming for the raid. Um, thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome Raiders. Um, <laughs> we, we are talking about Samurai Warriors. <laughs> yeah, we missed Samurai. We are now talking about Black Skylands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can 
Talk about Samurai Wars more if you want. <laughs> there, right. We can go another but, hour. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, so, right, so Black Skylands, um, I, what was I saying? I've totally lost my train of thought. Carpet bombing. Yeah, we did the carpet bombing. <laughs> um, and, we need to do more carpet bombing, really. smuggling uh, no, a blind the, old man in your hold. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to <laughs> right, to, to, to it being more open and less sort of tied to the linear plot, basically. Um, and I really, like, the top-down works really well. The flavor's there. You get a solid understanding of the main players in the, like, first hour, but it's a bit plot-heavy. But I basically, yeah, I just want to... Oh, yeah, it was the first time I've played, streamed a game, ended it because I was like, oh, I'm, like, sucking at this combat. I'm no longer being engaged streamer at Dill. I'll just <laughs> say goodnight. And then, like grabbed a bite and then came back and just opened the game back up and started playing again. Like usually after a couple hours of streaming a game, I'm like, I've had my fill for that. But actually yeah. Black Skylands is, um, yeah, it was really fun and I really liked it. I just realized that like it had been almost a full two hours and I wasn't actually speaking at the camera. <laughs> it wasn't usually I'm like, uh, it's been two hours done. This was like, Oh, I want to play more of this. I want to, see what I can do. I want to see if I can make a, like, can I get a really small, sh fast ship and, like, zoom between and, like, just skip attacks through people? Or can I get, like, a giant, you know, like, uh, galaxy-class-type nonsense ship that's just got a bunch of guns and just be like, thump, 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 and just shoot everything like a Star Destroyer and not worry about it. Um, so I'm really curious about what the late game of uh, Black Skylands is like. And obviously okay. it's... um. It's an early access game, so who knows what will change. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking yeah. it a lot. That's good. Yeah, I hope Sounds, I hope it goes that way. Looks interesting. Yeah. I love I love the art, the pixel art. So. Yeah, as well as as well, you you do hope that once it's kind of given you the kind of tutorializing of these are the sorts of things that you'll be building on your ship to make it better. Now go. <laughs> yeah, I do hope it it gives you that opportunity. And it's maybe not, yeah, too, not I mean, too much further down the line, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, the um, the starter, the, the, the island that you're on, which is a, a ship, because everything is a ship, um, is, like, gets carpet bombed and you have to rebuild it. But, like, it, like oh. I said, it front loads, like, you've got your workshop, your armory, your garden factories and then you have a ranch as well which you can like raise animals which i haven't really gotten into because i don't know where to buy animals to breed them but like because that i'm not that far into the game so i'm like it seems quite in depth and i i don't yeah. know what the food side is like for example the first set of seeds you get when you start a garden is cabbage so like mm -hmm. i have a box of cabbage to put next to my box of blind man in my <laughs> hole <laughs> um and i don't know what to do with it because at no point do you have to eat in this game so i don't know what the cabbage does are you sure the old man doesn't need to eat he might need the uh, cabbage if he does <laughs> he hasn't told me can you, can you imagine if the game was like you, super you, like you no you need to man. feed and water your your people in boxes uh, and, and so you're like i go to turtle town which is where he wants to go and like grab the box of the blind man, put it down, and just a corpse fumbles out. <laughs> it's like, 
This guy wanted to come here. Anyone will pay me yeah. for for transporting this dead blind man? Yeah. Uh, hello, He's post office. I have your skeleton death. that you wanted. <laughs> Where is my reward? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Um... But yeah, so it's got a lot of deep stats. Uh, also, like you can definitely go like I did. I, I I freed a couple islands instead of doing the main plot just to see how it went, um, and because that would theoretically get me more people resources to get perks. Yeah. But also, people as soon as I got so, my second yeah. island, my first <laughs> island got attacked. I'm like, I wonder if that was a triggered event. Um, but the thing that kind of frustrated me is a lot of these floating islands they have like a dotted line to show you their area of influence or whatever and so it's like oh so like the main plot big island i fought through to get to save my brother a second time seven years later um i I fought all the guys i didn't see any enemies but i didn't but the island still shows up as an unliberated and that's because there might be a spot not reachable on the path of walking on that island because, you know, there's a stone wall and you have to, like, float, fly your skyship around to get at it. There's some enemies somewhere in there, and you have to find them, and it becomes kind of annoying and hunted pecky. And so, like, the second area I went to was basically like an archipelago of, like, a big island with, like, ten, eight to ten small islands on them. And I, like, killed everyone on the big island, and it was like, so there, it doesn't say they're liberated. And sure enough, there was, like, a couple guys on these small, tiny islands I had to kill, and then I got fireworks. And they said, you've liberated this island. But the last person was on the main island, but at the very top, after, like, seven feet of solid rock, then there was a little spot, and there was just a guy standing there. <laughs> and it was like... Okay, you guys designed this. Yeah, but oh no, he was a he was an an oppressor. I had to kill him, kill him dead, um, with my sniper rifle or my backstabbing hookshot. You mean you didn't carpet bomb? Yeah, it was just kind of that's a shame. Hmm? You mean you didn't carpet bomb? That's what I would have done. No, (laughs) it's oh look, the one guy holding (laughs) back my progress. Kill him. (laughs) Well, so I couldn't actually because it was like a. I parked my ship and there was some land and then when I walked two paces it like showed that there was actually a break it was just like a like almost like a, a a land bridge on the edge and then I had to jump off and then hook shot to another piece of land and that's where the guy was all right so it's like the main platforming in the game is navigating these islands yeah. via hook shotting between spaces and trying to line it up and so like jump jump hook shotting is a main mechanic and if you miss time it you're like Turn around, hookshot before you die. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, okay. basically, if you can't recover yourself or you die, you've got a magic moth which will whisk you back to your ship one time. You have like one life save or in the early game. And then if it happens again, it'll take you to the last bed you slept in, which is usually on the father oh. ship. Um, and what really annoys me is on one of the early islands, I found a bed and I kept it in the hold. And then I went to a new plot island. I just <laughs> slapped it on basically the deck and then took a nap for eight hours before actually starting content. That way it would stay over there. And then um, I followed the plot and kind of mis- lost track of the bed. And I don't know. It's somewhere in the world. But <laughs> because I went back, the plot made me sleep at home again. I can't just die twice to go back to that spot. 
So there's, uh, and it's like, I'm not going to go to some random island I think the plot was at to look for a bed, but also I haven't unlocked crafting a bed and it was very useful to like move my save point essentially, right? Yeah. I, um, that, that, that would be a very handy thing for you not to have lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could just take your bed with you in your inventory like Minecraft. I mean, so you don't have a, an onboard inventory. You can only hold one thing at a time, like like holding a crate in front of you. It also means you can't dive roll when you're holding a thing. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. which means grabbing resources that are like platformy away isn't as straightforward because you're like, oh, I had to jump mm-hmm. dive roll twice to get to this place where this resource is. But if I'm holding the resource, I can't jump hook shot. So that means I need a I need to find a shorter spot. To... Opportunity cost. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I said, there's a lot of promise. It's just like a little kludgy on the hook shotting and and some of the combat. But also, I'm nice. not a not known as a twin stick top down person mm-hmm. of skill and prowess. Um, but yeah, I really like it, uh, and I think it's it's a very good, um, especially in these early hours. Like only, like I said, I've only played two. I really like um, what it's doing and like the promise of these like. You also, like, get mod boxes, which unlock perks for your guns, and so you can upgrade your guns. And, like, there's just a lot of nice um, loops and upgrade mechanics and crafting that seems like you could pick this up and play, like, you know, oh, I'll just go to that island which has three resources and just have to fight whoever's there and fight guys on the way and maybe get some scrap metal or some stuff to smelt, and you could probably do it on your own pace. And so to treat it like a sort of like a aggressive floating stardew valley with more pointedness on what you were doing but given that you like have all these things to build i'm just curious how much of that crafting system you need to engagement engage with versus how much you might want Mm -hmm. but yeah uh so that's black skylands i'm super interested in in it um yeah yeah, I'm still into it, even after streaming it, which, like I said, sometimes doesn't happen. Or at least it's like, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll come back to this, and then I don't come back to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, so I mean, that's a good sign. You started to sell it to me. I think that's a perfect quote for the box, like Stardew Valley, but with more bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like a super yeah. like wander. There's no romance. <laughs> like the thing, it's more I was thinking like the Stardew Valley that is your farm. Yeah. And the the like your starter farm and like the um the one mine yeah beside it yeah it's like the idea of like the, it's combat and some crafting and you're making your yeah. base uh, and then let's just pretend that all the interesting intricate relationships aren't there yeah Skydew Valley Star with cannons <laughs> mm. but yeah so that's Black Skylands yeah. um super yeah I I that think it's uh, fun. Yeah, it's also like it's fifteen quid on early access right now. Yeah. I think. Oh, although if you buy it and wow, well, wait, if you buy it and Graveyard Keeper, no, never mind. I was going to say a thing because now now bundles Steam like discounts for you. If you have one of the games, so yeah. then I was like, "Oh, uh, it's, it's... it's still offering me that." Hold on, do I have Graveyard Keeper? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, it was usually nine quid yeah. or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So it seems I... like a Graveyard Keeper. Is it made by the same people? 
No, I mean, I think it's a tiny build, but yeah, it's tiny build, it's tiny build but Lazy Bear Games made Graveyard Keeper. Oh, well, right, okay. Yeah, but, so yeah I, look... I, I definitely see the, you know, the similarities. Some, yeah. So Hunger Couch Games, this is their, they were founded in 2019, this is their, um, their inaugural, time. yeah, game. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Super great. I, yeah, I, I recommend start. it. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. And it, like I said, like, there's a few buggy things. Uh, one time when I left like you you get on your ship and you're like undock essentially and then your ship sort of floats out for a bit and then you can fly and like the worst bug i had in this early access game was i sat there and my throttles didn't work but back or forward it was just like you left do you want to come back i mean you can't do anything else i guess you'd jump off and plummet to your death but i just re- like i just like saved left came yeah. back in and it worked fine yeah like, so it's pretty stable build yeah yeah that, that's not too bad as bugs go i don't mind yeah, i don't yeah. mind those ones that don't interfere too badly when it's just quit mm-hmm. out and load back in exactly where you were but now your controls work <laughs> yeah that does help uh, so that's uh that's that's the only game i had um did you have anything you want to talk about lucy or shall we talk about beers um one last thing yeah I pre-ordered that Playdate. Oh, you pre-ordered the Playdate? Yeah, pre-orders went live today, and it was a very smooth process. Um, unlike most uh, tech things. I don't know if that's because of the demand. and You know, this, the, the website didn't go down. To be honest, it got in there pretty early. I think mm. it went live at about 6pm BST, where we are, so... But yeah, smooth, easy process. Um, I so think they take the pe- money up front, but yeah. you can cancel at any time. Um, if people didn't know what the play date was, can you give like a quick play date primer? It's a yellow Game Boy that you crank. That you crank? Mm-hmm. You crank it. It's it's oh, how big are the games? One bit <laughs> yeah, or something? Yeah, like that I do. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, something like that one bit. I don't think the screen's backlit, so very Game Boy. Um, You're going to have yeah, to get yourself it, it, one of those big things with a magnifying glass on it so you can yes. see it with a <laughs> I just permanently sit under a lamp or something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a new gaming platform. You call it? Yeah, platform. But, but it's very much... You'll know if you want this. It's very... Uh, niche. Um, they have names like, if these names ring a bell to you, like Zach Gage, Lucas Pope, um, you know, people like that making, you know, small, you know, very small indie projects for it. Um, if you know those names, you'll know if this thing is for you. <laughs> if you're very much, oh, I could play some, uh, very short lived, uh, you know, very niche, experimental. Um, games on this like one bit platform where you use a crank. It just seems like a bed of creativity for yeah, I don't it's, know it's how got... long that'll last. It may be a it may be a um something that doesn't last that long, something that's just a novelty, but hey, I bought one. I mean I what else novelty. are you gonna do with with money, right? Just waste it. Yeah. That's how I like to use it. Yeah, I think the just throw the, it away. The play date um if you buy it, you get twenty four games, season mm-hmm. one of games. Yeah, 
So it's it's not determined how many seasons that they're going to have, but you get these 24 games for free. Um, as I say, there might be small five-minute experiences. You may not get too much longevity from them. It may be something that you continually go back to, like sort of like a just a clicker iOS game. Who knows? But um, it also I they think... have their stereo dock, which has a pen, a Bluetooth speaker, <laughs> yeah. and it it looks like a little Robo Pal. To be honest, it's yeah. very silly looking, and I love it. Um, it's like it's like the Nintendo game and watch where it's like I'm never gonna I'm gonna play Zelda or Mario on this for like approximately thirty seconds. Yeah, but it makes a nice alarm clock. Um, this is, this is that, um, yeah. personified, so, <laughs> but, I can't believe yeah. that the crank is a control the and, crank, and yeah. not The crank a... is just an the input mechanism, is... yeah. so it just depends mm. on what the developers... Yeah. Make a fishing yeah. game. No, n- every game <laughs> that comes to it is going to be a fishing game. <laughs> yeah, not every game will use it, it says, but it's like, oh, so that's for charging it up, and then it's like, no... <laughs> Like, no. Is it a gimmick? No. Is it for charging up? No. <laughs> like, oh God. It's it's yeah, it's both a gimmick and not a gimmick, depending uh, on it? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Um well it's... in that case, um I will have one more thing to ask, which is um what why? <laughs> no, I mean we we all know why. You, you also pre ordered a Steam Deck last I week. Did. I did. Oh my you are God. Our, our resident pre-order of tech. I didn't take you as a I'm tech I'm the resident uh, <laughs> money waster. <laughs> you mean? Mm, although, I mean, it's cr- crucially, you. It's, it's telling that you didn't pre-order either of the next-gen consoles, <laughs> but you did pre-order a Steam Deck <laughs> and a Playdate week on week. Yes. Because they have promise. They do, whereas the other two at the time... Were pointless. Yeah, and I can play any game that's on the Xbox on my Xbox One X, or your personal computer, yeah, or my PC, and yeah. wait two minutes, the same as I would on the Xbox <laughs> One X, for the ascent to load <laughs> before I come on this podcast and realize I have no time for this. I'll just have to play another twin stick shooter another time. I'm gonna I'll need to crank this one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine that if you have to like load up the game, so cranking it for two minutes. Cranking it for two minutes yeah. is a yeah. turn of phrase that uh, might might get us censored on YouTube. Um, Only if you put a, an appropriate day, picture at the background. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's ask one more question, which is Lucy. You had two beers today. Mm-hmm. Which beer did you prefer? You had the day of something or other that I've already forgotten. Routines. I I drank this and I can't remember what yeah. it's called. Routines die hard. Yeah. No, routine bites hard. Mm, and uh, then you had the Bristol Craft Beer, Beer Craft Beer Festival 2021 four-way collab, Aromatic Isles, which I did as well. Yes. Um, I mean, you've got to go to the Aromatic Isles. I've, I've never had a beer that tastes like that. Like, the Dea, Dea beers are always fantastic. Tipper, especially so. It's like, yes, getting all, even more of that that juice and that tropicalness condensed into, like, a 10% beer. It's like, can't get anything better than that. Except a beer that you've never even conceived would be a thing, where it's like North African aromatic spices in a beer. Which is 
it's it's great. Um, as I say, it's not just a novelty. It's not just something that's weird and a bit different. It's a good beer at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo you that way. I I really enjoyed the the smoothness and the effervescence and citrus nature of the mechanics of illusion by motive, um, but it. West Coast India paled in comparison to the Aromatic Isles. Um, it's just this is just a fantastic beer. Um, obviously, not one we can say go grab because most people won't have access unless they are at the Bristol Craft Beer Festival 2021 this weekend. Um, but I think, yeah, if you can find something from Wiper and True, uh, I think it is very true to form and yeah, just. Such an interesting beer. I really hope more comes out of this collaboration that we get get some less spice mix in, maybe a, a more regular well, wiper and true. Sand is now like uh, north slash northwest African cuisine as well, with the beer to pair it. So, mm. Yeah, that's uh, fair. We'll get Ben on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that. Well, should I say northeast rather? Yeah, yeah, yeah northeast. Yeah, I get um, my east and west right stuff. I'd be bad at. Black Skylands. I have no idea. I mean, nah, Black Skylands is fine. Bomb. You just, you just, you just click the thing on the map, and then I'm you just follow the little anywhere. icon. <laughs> um, but yeah, the between the cardamom and like, I, I do think there's probably um, coriander seed in that spice mix. Just because I got a hint of soapiness, but whatever else yeah. is in there, it's what I like is it's not just the cardamom. I've had a cardamomy cardamom me beer before um mm-hmm. and those are good but this the, the spice mix that um aroello eats provided for this um beer is so well-rounded it's like you it, it's not like cardamom and other things it's just like oh i recognize this is a hint of cardamom but like the whole beer presents as this really unique taste and and usually you can sort of you can sort of see the notes, but everything is just so well blended in between yes. like Wiper and True's like nuanced but not super punch your face with taste approach and this spice mix. It's just like you said, one of the most unique beers I've ever had. I've never had anything like it, and it still no. tastes like beer. Is the thing that you sometimes you just don't get right. Like yeah. usually when you put novel things in beers, you're like, aha, this was neat, but also. Yeah. You can sometimes lose the beeriness, and they're like, "This is the beeriness is so integral to why I like this beer, and 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 it all works really Agreed. well." Agreed. Yeah, fantastic beer. I'm now. They sent us um, each two. Now I don't know what to do with the second one. Uh, just tank yeah. it, <laughs> IV, and just hook it to your veins. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll try and find someone to split it with, I think. Uh, I, I mean, it was my... Two IVs, then. Yeah, one of my housemates' mm-hmm. birthday on the weekend, uh, and she quite like likes craft beer, but she's just driven off to London for the next month and a half, so I'm not. <laughs> that's not going to last. Snooze, you lose. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a really, really tasty beer. Um, and so that... Oh, and Adam... Um, did you Have like you your um, more cold <laughs> Pepsi Classic... Uh, that you started yeah. the day with, the, the the pod with, or did you prefer when it warmed up in the room? I think I have to say I preferred it when it was chilled. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Not quite fresh out of the fridge, but when it still got a wee bit of the chill to it. Yeah. Good yeah. combination. Yeah. Yeah. There's a nice oh, sweet spot in there that lasts about two seconds. <laughs> mm. <laughs> 
Great. Well, I think that does <laughs> us for the week. Um, so uh, we've been tanked up. Uh, you can find us at Tanked Up Cast on all of the socials. We are on outoflives.net where you can see VODs of like my Black Skylands um, stream, also on our YouTube page. And you can also read Adam's um, article on Samurai Warriors 5, uh, which if you yep. are joined us late was what um, Adam talked about for the first chunk of the pod. For uh, too long, you, can you also... might say. <laughs> yeah, just long enough. Uh, I, yes, I found it really I interesting. Um, I, I, me too. I learned a lot. Yeah. Fascinated by the series now. Um, yes. So, and you can tweet myself at the Omniarch T H E O M N I A R C H, uh, Lucy at Juicy Loose Nine, Adam at APT Snack, uh, and us again at Tanked Up Cast. Um, yeah. If you enjoyed, like, subscribe, uh, etc. If you're all here on Twitch, give us a follow. If you if you enjoyed what you saw, thanks again for the raid, friends. Um, and, or if you see this later on YouTube, do the comment thing on the thing that gets the thing, do the, the algorithm, uh, (laughs) eloquency. I swear (laughs) I I have a degree in philosophy and know how to write, but I just don't have it in me. The call to action is so boring to do every week. I just, I just start saying the thing and the thing. We all know what I'm trying to say. Uh, and if you are listening to us as a podcast, uh, rate and review, uh, on your podcatcher of choice, it helps get the show. Ten more ears um, via algorithms. So I think that's us for another week. Um, yeah. Bye. Yeah. Uh, Bye. Bye. I have a degree in modern languages and can barely speak or read, so you're all right. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Ciao. www.outoflives.net